Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CDL Podcast channel. In this episode today, we've got our first reaction episode of the year. The kickoff classic just happened, and to be honest, it kind of exceeded my expectations. There were some really good matches, some shockers. Obviously, Surge made their first grand final. It was honestly the first time they even got close to a grand final uh, in their third year here in the CDL. It was a great weekend of matches. We've also got a little bit of news to talk about, but this episode's mostly going to be breaking down the, the kickoff classic and going over what we thought about the matches this weekend. So before we get into that... Kyle, how are you doing today? Oh man, I've had an eventful, eventful week here, um, especially the weekend. Um, so I think last week I mentioned that I was, uh, you know, coming down with something. Uh, turned out that uh, tested positive for COVID. So uh, hashtag thoughts and prayers. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it turned out to just be like it. I, I honestly had colds in like high school and college that were worse than it. Um, I am vaccinated though, so um, you know. Whatever that means, uh, apparently it you know reduces the severity of the infection when you get a breakthrough case. But uh, so I, you know, I've been kind of dealing with getting over that, um, you know, just the nasal congestion and all that crap. And then uh, you know, Friday night I come home and uh, it, uh, I hear this like scratching noise in my ceiling. Mm. Um, and uh turns out you know we have like in part of our house we have like a kind of like a recessed ceiling where like there's like tiles that come down um and then like you know there's wiring and pipes above it and uh i hear this like rhythmic like you know noise up there and uh i my worst fears came true and we had uh at least one mouse up there Mm. um (laughs) probably driven in by our cold midwest weather uh found a way to get into the house somehow um bad news for him though i laid uh a number of uh spring traps with peanut butter and managed <laughs> managed to uh eliminate three count that three one two three mice from our ceiling uh absolutely disgusting and yeah uh it totally instilled fear into my heart um every time i had to take down the ceiling tile and look up to see my traps um that i would just see some dead mouse but uh thankfully uh it's been about 24 hours since our last confirmed fatality and uh you know i i can hopefully announce soon that i have taken care of the problem single-handedly um so, it, but like I said, it's been a, an eventful weekend between that COVID and watching CDL. I have not had a chance to, uh, you know, stop moving. So uh, I'm excited to get into this episode because I, uh, you know, I was pleasantly surprised at the uh, the quality uh, of the production and just, you know, everything that happened this weekend. Esports engine, baby. They're back involved and quality went up. Um We'll talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, you had a lot more eventful weekend than I did. I was basically like, you know what? This is my weekend to chill. I'm watching strictly NFL playoffs, which was also great this weekend, and I'm watching Call of Duty. So I was pretty much just glued to my screen for most of the weekend, taking in all that content, but uh, it was a pretty eventful weekend. Like we both said, we were, I think, pleasantly surprised with the quality of not only like the matches this weekend, but also the production. Like It was a pretty decent step up for kind of a trial and error session for esports engine because it was the first time producing a cdl event obviously i mean a lot of the people there have plenty of experience producing call of duty events but haven't done it in a while so that was nice to see um but we wanted to give also a shout out to all of you that are listening out there if you guys enjoy this one 
Be sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe. We want to know your thoughts on the matches this past weekend, but also we want to shout you guys out because the support on the last podcast was absolutely insane. I didn't have a chance to go through and check like all channel records, but I'm pretty confident it's the most liked video and most viewed video and potentially up there for the most comments on a video. It pretty much shattered all channel records. So I think both Kyle and I want to say thank you for that because it was pretty crazy. Like, obviously, it's been a little bit slower in terms of the channel picking up some traction because, I mean, it's been a pretty dead time for Call of Duty and competitive Call of Duty, let's be honest. Over the last three or four months while we were waiting for the season to start, and this wasn't even like the official start of the season. This was just a preseason tournament that didn't even garner crazy views. But, I mean, you guys absolutely killed it, the support in the last podcast. And, I mean, stuff like that motivates us to keep going. And it was it was awesome to see because, I mean, seeing support like that and seeing all you guys have comments from a bunch of uh there was returning people that we've seen in the comments a lot and then there was a lot of brand new people saying like hey this is a really awesome podcast we enjoyed it so we we love all that feedback and love to hear what you guys are thinking of the episode so we really appreciate that um before we get into it i can let kyle say anything if he wants to otherwise we can dive right into the news yeah definitely uh didn't want to go without obviously uh giving a massive thank you to everyone that has tuned in and uh you know provided uh feedback to us and you know, subscribed and liked and everything. Uh, you know, we want to keep up the consistency on our end um, to, you know, kind of go off of the, uh, the hype that the CDL is uh, bringing. And we, we realize that, you know, uh, that that's a big draw for people to return and to um, get new listeners and viewers and stuff. So, uh, you know, we're, we're as motivated as we've ever been to continue the uh, consistency and the quality and, uh, so thank you all for sticking out with us and to all those new folks that have uh, come in. We uh, you know, thank you for checking us out. We really appreciate it. Yeah. I echo everything you said. It was, it was pretty amazing. Cause like the first night it got like the typical amount of views. It was like, uh, like around 50 to hundred, you know, like it usually gets and all of a sudden, like the next morning I woke up and it was like, wait, it has 500. Then the next day it was like, it has a thousand. And then leading up to the CDL like matches on that first Friday, it was like, it's at like 2k. And I was like, well, this is crazy. Like, the support was unreal, so we really appreciate it. Like Kyle said, all the new people that have joined, as well as all the returning listeners. Um, we're just glad you guys are enjoying the content we're putting out, and we hope to keep improving it and uh, continuing to put out content that we also... I think what's the coolest thing is you guys are hopefully enjoying it, and we're really enjoying making it, because now we're into that sweet spot of the year where we actually get to watch some real matches and talk about those, which is uh, really one of the best things about doing this podcast is actually just sitting down and talking about all the Call of Duty matches that happened. Um, but before we get into those matches, we're going to talk a little bit of news because we actually do have some pretty big news. We kind of touched on the first thing already, which was Esports Engine being back. I was announced that Esports Engine, Adam Epicella and his team, who are a lot of former MLG employees who have worked on Call of Duty for years and years in the past, are the official, uh, like, what is it, tournament organizer, I think they called it, for the CDL. So they're going to be working behind the scenes, setting up all the tournaments and making sure all the production uh, run smoothly as well as I think they'll probably be the ones setting up a lot of how the stadiums look for the different shows that aren't in the esports stadium in Texas. So that's, I mean, I can't think of a negative for that. Obviously, Adam Episella is one of like the COD fathers that built up the competitive scene with his tournament organization. And I've been to one of the tournaments now he organized, the Black Ops 4 Champs, and it was an absolutely amazing event. And I don't think you've ever heard anybody complain about any of his events. He does a fantastic job. And I think. We noticed a little bit of an uptick in the production. Everything seemed to run pretty smooth this weekend for a kind of trial and error tournament. So I'm happy Esports Engine's back. I, I can't think of a negative thing to say about it. 
Yeah, it was kind of wild that uh, I swear to God they announced that Esports Engine was taking over the production like the day of or the night before or something. I was like, what the heck is going on? Um, but they said that it was going to be they were going to take it over right for the the kickoff. And I was I was kind of skeptical. I was like, are they going to have time to like get all their, you know, I assume they're bringing in their people and their infrastructure equipment stuff. Um I don't really know exactly all the logistics of what esports engine uh, specifically does. Um, you know, it looked like they were using a lot of the same graphics and stuff. So I'm, I think they're more or less just taking over the production behind the scenes stuff, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people um, have been, you know, maybe a little overcritical or, you know, uh, considering from what the CWL went to the CDL and then everything with online COVID uh, didn't help with, you know, boosting value for sure. Um, but obviously, you know, Adam Apicella and his team have a, have a great proven track record of uh, putting on these live events and, uh, you know, even the the online stuff as well, which they'll be taking over for, um, so I'm I'm excited to have have him back. It seems like he's very passionate about the about the Call of Duty scene as well, um, and putting on the best best product that they can. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's you know a really positive piece of news. Well, and it's like almost the double whammy of just like being perfect because he knows how to run these tournaments. Really, whatever esport it is, he has so much experience. He knows how to run any tournament. But the big thing for me is, like you said, he has all that Call of Duty experience and he also knows what the community wants because he's been a member of the community for as long as almost anybody. So he has a good hand on the pulse of the community as well as knowing how an online tournament, a land tournament, whatever it is, should look in terms of production and like the stage and how the event actually feels like. If anybody isn't sure because they're more of like a, a recent CDL fan, they just joined the Call of Duty scene within the CDL. Like you should know we're in good hands with Adam Episcella at the wheel um organizing all the tournaments and production and everything we're in very good hands this is a very good thing for the cdl if you aren't too familiar with esports engine or his background so there's there's absolutely everything to be excited about in terms of production which you know at some point of the cdl we've struggled sometimes there's been some big issues production has been kind of lackluster and we have a lot of issues sometimes that it feels like we shouldn't have with how much of a budget they have now but i'm sure adam episcella is going to be able to fix any of those issues other piece of news we have oh, kind of around the production team as well a negative about the production team Maven and Merc are still out. They haven't officially signed a contract. We didn't see them this past weekend at the kickoff classic. It doesn't look like there's technically any official like timetable for them to get this contract signed. Like they said, they want to get it done. Maven said he wants to cast Call of Duty for the rest of his life and he wants to get it done. I believe Merc feels the same way, but they apparently, from what I saw, haven't even really had talks and Maven said it could be because he maybe caused some issues with the higher ups or something by wanting to increase the production quality and maybe to make some changes, but he's not really sure why they haven't talked. But uh, I think if the CDL and the higher-ups were watching the engagements on social media after Maven and Merck said they hadn't signed a contract and how many people were so upset by it, I think they'll hopefully realize how many people really want them to be involved and they'll make a change. But as of now, Maven and Merck not casting for the CDL, which any way you cut it is a massive L. Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is that once we get into, you know, these online matches and everything, it's going to be a lot more work on a on on two casting teams as opposed to three, mm-hmm. or um, they're going to pick up two new ones, right? And I mean, 
I think that they're, I mean, not, not that I want Maven and Mark out, but there is a, a great confluence of, uh, you know, casting talent out there that I wouldn't be opposed to them looking into on maybe like a part-time basis. Like, uh, I don't know, but obviously, uh, Maven and Merc are two stable, you know, casters and personalities in the scene. Uh, you know, arguably the, the one, a team of casters. Uh, I think miles and chance are, you know, pretty much right up there with them. Now, obviously miles is like the play-by-play caster of the year. Um, yeah, at esports awards. So obviously he, yeah, I in my opinion he's taken over as like the the guy I I want to listen to the most. But obviously Megan, Maven and Merck bring a lot of uh, you know expertise, and they're just such a well oiled team. Uh, and you know whether this is this is further posturing on their part to get better contracts or whatever. Um, it seems like from from what Maven and Merck have both said that they're not even talking they're not even currently in active talks with the cdl so that's a little bit concerning um but you know at the same time maybe they're just playing it really close to the to the vest and they're not you know disclosing to their twitch streams or to us what the true status is um but yeah i'm i i'm definitely a little bit concerned as we're only you know another 10 11 days away from league matches starting that you know mm-hmm. obviously obviously they they did they weren't in the casting booth last year for the kickoff either um they held out until the league actually started um but yeah i'm i i would i i want to see them back it's a big reason why uh you know we watch call of duty on stream is to listen to the play-by-play casting uh so yeah big big l if they don't come back well, yeah, and it's not like we're saying like, oh my god, Maven and Merck are the best. Like, we don't have any other good casters. Like, I, Miles and Chance, like you said, are an absolutely fantastic duo. And Lando and Study, I think when they first started out, I wasn't a huge fan, but they've improved both of them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're by no means a bad duo either. And I'm sure, like you said, there are other good duos out there we can have. I mean, we've had them in the past, but like Maven and Merck are a staple. And whatever way, I honestly think it just comes down to personal preference between Miles and Chance and Maven and Merck. Both are fantastic. You can't go wrong with either. And they're both, like you said, 1A, 1B. They're both good enough to be lead casters that could cast every final. It just so happens that they're in the same eSport, and both pairs are just that good. But like, that's part of the strength of Call of Duty eSports is we do have two duos that are that good that both could be casting every grand final. And we want to see them back because... As much as there is so much talent out there, I mean, Maven and Merc are like, they're a staple, like you said, to the Call of Duty scene. So we we need them involved. So whenever they can get this contract done, please, CDL, get it done. Don't be stupid. Not signing those two to a contract is so stupid. I tweeted it. I was like, you don't even like need to know the specifics about the deal. You can basically just sign it down and make it a negotiable amount of money and like figure it out later. Like you just have to get them somehow signed and ready to go for this first a couple events here because we just can't be missing out on Maven and Merck being involved with the CDL because mm-hmm. they're absolutely staples to the scene. Yeah, and my, I mean, not to get too much into a rabbit hole on this, but like my concern is like you know Miles also being the caster of the year, and he's you know obviously had a lot more attention drawn to him since he uh, you know in the last year and a half or so. Like, is, is this setting a bad precedent that like? CDL might be lowballing the casters and then they might just go elsewhere. Like, you, like, you know, is it too 
wild to think that Miles could have like a courage situation where he just like up and leaves uh, I mean, Call of Duty all together. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, I I just I just want the CDL to prioritize their personalities, uh, you know, along with a lot of other things that they should prioritize. But like, I I think having these like contract squabbles with casters doesn't set a good precedent. Yeah, I mean, having the right casters is one of the few things the CDL has gotten right since its inception, and they can't screw that thing up either because the casters and the talent and on-air talent is one of the main strengths, I, in my opinion, of the CDL. I think all the analysts that were on the desk, which shout out uh, to all the new analysts too, a lot of like the new people, even Slack, he was great in the desk. I thought um, Slack was incredible. Alley Cat was also fantastic on the desk. I thought really everybody was great yeah, on the desk like sure. and the production, so like... To me, that's one of the strengths of the CDL is the production, whether it's the analyst desk or the commentators, or even like when they have Jess or they had Blaze on the desk. Jess is fantastic when she does like the after match interviews. Blaze was fantastic this weekend. Uh, like all those pieces of the CDL are like one of the main strengths of it. So I don't want to see that become a weakness now, too, because there are plenty of other weaknesses that they need to address. So we don't need to add another one to that. Exactly. All right. Last piece of news before we jump into the matches from this weekend. Ranked play supposedly coming out in February. At this point, I think we don't even need to say supposedly because it has been announced like by the CDL that's coming in February. The only way we say supposedly is if they lied to us. But since this one is from the <laughs> official source, we we can say it's coming in February until they tell us that it's delayed because the official this wasn't like a leaker. This was actually the official CDL told us that. So I'm super pumped for uh, for that. After we are done recording this, actually, it's going to be a little chill time for me. I'm actually probably going to play a couple S&D GBs with some of my friends i've been kind of getting into snd playing a little respawn and stuff lately getting ready for ranked play because i need to hit that master rank or whatever the top rank is so i'll probably see some of you guys on on the rank streets diamond and above hopefully if it's actually an elo system but i'm i'm super excited for ranked play because i think i've talked about it on the podcast before really the only call of duty game i haven't been able to play competitively is modern warfare because i hated it so much and there was no rank system but like pretty much you give me call of duty and you give me a decent rank system i can play it for hours because just love the game so much so i'm really excited for it yeah i mean i'm i'm glad for all the people that have uh you know been day one uh vanguard stands or at least they've played from day one um you know i i think out of protest i'm gonna you know it's probably a little bit late in the game cycle to get in and really like you know learn like level the weapons up learn the rotations and stuff um as opposed to what i did in uh Cold War. I, you know, played a little bit of uh you know, uh the league play there and then played some uh rec league stuff uh with the CRL. Um so that yeah. was uh I don't know, I I think I might look, you know, and I, I think that's a indictment on the game not releasing with ranked or having ranked within the first month or something. Like I, I think um I don't I don't blame myself at all for that decision. I just think it's like, you know, it's already going to be we're almost on the cusp of February and like the league and there's just a lot of other stuff going on that uh I don't know if I want to really like pick like buy a game, learn it and like get to a point where I would want to grind uh this like ranked playlist. So um yeah, that's that's kind of where I stand. Um I hope it's really good. I hope it's an Elo system for everyone that's uh you know, invested time and money into this game. Uh, and, the, you know, I wish I wish everyone well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for it. Just if, if they give us an ELO system, people will enjoy it and it can maybe help bring some 
Call of Duty and rank play back to some of its glory days, even though the game may not be the best. It's it's still fun to play when you're playing with a group. So hopefully it's an ELO system, and hopefully by February they mean like, you know, in a week and a half when the the CDL launches and not like February 28th, and they're just calling it February even though it's the last day. Um, but yeah, it's time for us to jump into our bracket recap, which we can keep that short and sweet because I think it's safe to say like a lot of people, our bracket was absolutely horrible. Uh, there's really no other way to put it. I mean, we really screwed that thing up. I mean, uh, that one of the only things we maybe got right is I, I wanted, you wanted to push Boston through, but thankfully I kind of <laughs> vetoed you and pushed New York through to the semifinal, uh, which was like the one thing we got right. Obviously we did not pick phase to lose their first match. We didn't pick optic to lose their first match. Uh, it was pretty rough for the bracket predictions, but I don't think there was too many people that did too well. If you were one of those people that did really well in these predictions, shout out to you. Cause I think there are very few people. I mean, I think some people probably pick optic to get upset by thieves like that wasn't super uncommon, but I don't think many people picked anybody to upset phase in the first match. Uh, I don't know that anybody had surge in the grand finals. Uh, Toronto, I guess in the grand finals, I feel like a lot of people didn't actually have Toronto going to the grand finals either, because we know Toronto was really good, but we had heard so much negative about their lack of practice and stuff. And even they admitted after the matches that they didn't have much practice. So like a lot of people weren't expecting them to be in the finals or even win it. So uh, I don't really have much else to say about our bracket. Besides we don't even need to go back through it. Cause it is just so wrong that we can just say that we were horrible for our first showing of predictions. Yeah. And I think, you know, we were talking a little bit about it throughout the weekend. Like it's just kind of fluky with this, uh, you know, this game that still seems a little bit like in its, you know, alpha beta stage almost with uh, how it plays competitively and then having it be a single Elim tournament. Uh, so you get you obviously you get like a phase result against uh, against Surge and, um, you know, maybe people didn't see that coming. Uh, I think probably like 95 percent of the community wouldn't have seen that coming. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of, uh, you know, obviously our bracket was uh, dog crap. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you know, hopefully we'll do better <laughs> going forward with yeah. more of the, uh, you know, teams making losers runs and stuff. But um, yeah, uh, our predictions were not good. No, not by any means. Uh, I mean, I would like the venture to say we're probably going to do better in the future as we get uh, more of a grasp because also this weekend was so hard because it was the first time we had seen many teams play so we were kind of just going based off names on paper and as we know from call of duty from i mean really any sport you can put all the names in the paper you want but i mean if the team doesn't have chemistry or hasn't been getting good practice in and anything they're probably not going to be as good as they look on paper or if they've been putting in extra work maybe they're not going to be as bad as they look on paper so i mean it was pretty much just going off the names and who looks better on paper this weekend and a lot of the teams that looked better on paper, uh, like FaZe or Optic, did not come out with the wins. So, I mean, what was it? Three of the four teams that had buys, Minnesota, Optic, and FaZe, all lost their first match. So, it's obviously not what you'd expect. Usually, the teams that you would see getting buys are the teams you'd probably expect to win. And then the one that had to buy that one was the one that hasn't been practicing. So, I mean, everything was unpredictable this weekend. But we kind of want to get into the overarching storylines kind of like the big storylines from this weekend. And then we'll go into our takeaways for each team after that. So obviously the big storyline of the weekend, I don't think anybody would argue that this was not the number one storyline was 
Surge beating FaZe, upsetting them after 3-0-ing a London team, which that Surge-London matchup was a lot of people's matchup to watch, including mine, of that first round because it was like two teams that had a lot of question marks but that we think had a lot of potential. And I feel like London showed flashes, but obviously Surge 3 0 them and look pretty good. Mac looked amazing. Uh, Sib and Pred looked amazing. And then they take down FaZe, which is like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, why, why are Surge doing so well? And then they beat NYSL and make it to the grand finals. So your thoughts on that Surge run? I mean, it was pretty crazy. We were talking like, it's hard to really knock a team for losing one single Elam match and getting sent home because it's so early. But when you see a team like Surge make this run and beat kind of a hot pick for like making a run London team and then beating two very good veteran teams like FaZe in New York and also playing Toronto pretty tight in the finals besides really that map four um, makes you have a little hope in the surge. Pretty cool storyline for the weekend. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, obviously winning your first match is always important. I wasn't too shocked that London fell there. Um, however, uh, you know, still a good result nonetheless. And then obviously the, the win over phase was just like totally unexpected, I guess. Um, and then what, you know, once they won that match, it was kind of like you kind of were pulling for them a little bit. So, uh, you know, they caught NYSL out as well, made the grand finals. I think that was their first surges as a, as a franchise. That was their first grand final ever, maybe even their first uh, semifinal, um, you know, to win a tournament or something. So, uh, you know, props to them. Um, you know, it seems like they're, uh, you know, they're really flipping the script on, uh, you know, their team history and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, big ups to them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an absolutely insane storyline because I think like a lot of us uh, were talking about teams like London and Surge and even like Florida with uh, some young players that we hadn't seen before and some new team makeups were like, hey, these teams have some potential to, to make some runs, to pull off some upsets. But I don't know if anybody expected instantly the Surge to make a run to grand finals. And granted, it's single elimination. It's the first tournament of the year. Maybe teams aren't pulling out all the stops but i mean teams are not just going out there and not trying like they may not pull out all their snd strats to win a game because they don't want to reveal them but teams are like when you get on that stage as a competitor even when you're playing like a random game of ranked play on call of duty like you're not just like going out there just like not trying like you still want to win everybody's out there trying at least because you don't want to get embarrassed and destroyed and you do want to create some momentum going to the year so i was pretty impressed with surge to be able to come out and make it all the way to the grand finals. They were pretty competitive in that grand finals too. Obviously that map four on Berlin, they kind of got destroyed a little bit by Toronto, but overall I was super impressed with surge. Uh, the next storyline we want to talk about kind of always going to be a storyline with whatever this team does. Optic fell on their first match to thieves. Now we'll get into this a little bit when we kind of talk about our power rankings coming out of this event, but to me, it's really not that big of a deal. I think a lot of people were overreacting to optic losing. I mean, is it a good thing they lost? Definitely not. You never want to lose, even if it's a preseason tournament. But at the same time, they're playing a team like Thieves, who was honestly, if they don't completely choke uh, Map 4 hardpoint on Tuscan against Ultra, they should have been in the finals. Uh, a very good Thieves team. And like this, this Thieves team we know has a lot of talent. So it was a close 3-1 series where they take out Optic. It's not the end of the world for them to lose this. Uh, Optic obviously struggled. Uh, really, everybody besides Dashy. Kind of got tucked a little bit. I mean, Shotzi didn't play too bad. I'm looking at his numbers from the series. He was 81 and 82 overall for his KD, but uh, they had some close maps. But I mean, I don't know. To me, this is just cool because it starts out the rivalry with we expected to be Optic uh, as the better team going into the year, but now we're questioning a little bit. Maybe Thieves is better since they beat them, but 
I mean, it's not too concerning to me. It seems like two very good teams that are probably going to trade blows this whole year because they're both top teams. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also think this is, you know, more like not to look too too down on uh, on optic, but you know, thieves really came out with something to prove this weekend as a whole. Um, and you know, like we said, we'll get into that in our like big takeaways and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think thieves really surprised a lot of people. Uh, you know, they they were kind of down on a lot of people's like power rankings and stuff and people maybe maybe the entire um community was more leaning towards optic just because you know this is a super team now and yada 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 um but i you know i i think uh you know thieves really showed that they can play as a really cohesive unit and uh you know beat anybody on their day so uh i i think I'm more optimistic about Thieves than I am down on Optic after that match. I would agree. It just honestly made me more excited for the season because I don't think there's any way that this Optic team just ends up struggling so bad and suck. But I think we had more questions about Thieves because we had heard their practice wasn't the best and they didn't look the greatest. So see them come out and beat Optic just gets me more excited because I know Optic's going to be a good team this year. And I knew I know Thieves are going to be a good team and I knew with that talent they wouldn't be bad. But seeing them come out and get a win and making a nice run makes me a little more hopeful that uh, they could potentially be even better than we thought and really push that top four uh, this year. So hopefully that continues. Hopefully Optic bounces back because I think we all just want to see every team be super competitive this year. So we just have an awesome, an awesome year where it's not like last year where we know our top eight with two events left still. Uh, and it's looking like there's a decent chance that could happen because it seems like the league's going to be pretty competitive. Uh, last storyline I want to talk about before we dive into each team's outlook after the kickoff classic is Ultra haven't lost a step. I mean, they defeated Surge 3-1 in the grand finals, also taking out uh, Florida in their first match. They look very, very good. I don't really know that there's much else you can say. One of the teams that we were just talking positive about, LA Thieves, they beat them. Granted, uh, they should have lost that map four. I mean, Thieves, all they had to do was sit in the hill and hide and not ego challenge, and they win the map, but Thieves couldn't help themselves. They chowed out and uh, didn't get the scrap time, and they lost, but... Toronto looks impressive. Like they said after the match, they hadn't even really practiced that much, and they still looked this good. They said that they hadn't really practiced search, and they still look like they could be arguably the best team in the game, if not their top two, top three. So super impressed with Ultra. Uh, I tweeted about it a little bit too. My boy Cammy, Mr. MVP, he looks like he didn't lose a step. Bance still looks to be a good leader that's putting up solid numbers. Kleenex, you know, we saw him have a couple very bad maps, but he had those also maps where he just went off. So he looks to be the same Kleenex. He's going to drop a dud every once in a while, but he's also going to have those takeover maps and insight. I mean, the dude looked like he was still icy in S&D, and uh, I'm, I'm very excited about Ultra. I had some questions because of how bad their practice has supposedly been and how we've heard maybe they had some issues. But, man, if they're looking this good again, like I said already, we are we are in for a good year of the CDL. Yeah, I mean, I'm almost, like, I, I'm almost to the point where I, I'm asking for an apology from you for downplaying ultra so hard in the last few weeks saying that you know oh formal or scump said they haven't been practicing and they're not looking good and stuff and you you almost made me buy into this whole narrative hey, hey, that, i had them as high as you on the power rankings <laughs> that they weren't gonna be good and uh you know maybe for me standing boston in this uh thing I, I'll, I'll take a mea culpa on that and say you know i was i was wrong to you know buy so high on uh on boston here um 
but you know, may, you know, maybe Ultra, you know, they weren't looking good, and then all of a sudden they just like put it together. Um, but you know, I, I think it takes a lot more than just putting it together, um, you know, you know, stringing it along because obviously they had to win three matches to win this thing. So uh, I don't think that's a mistake by any means. And we saw this team just look like formidable. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, obviously they capitalized off of uh, some mistakes on other teams' parts. But uh, I definitely, you know, think that this team is uh, a stalwart, like you know top end team still uh even despite having you know these supposed you know issues uh whether that be like uh you know not getting good practice in or the whole uh kleenex reportedly not signing a contract for a couple of weeks or whatever but uh yeah this team's deadly yeah for sure i mean i'm pretty sure you had them at like three in your initial power rankings and i had them at four so we both said they're gonna be top four teams and like it's no surprise. And the one team I put ahead of them was NYSL just because I wanted to bet on Crim and Clay, which if I had to do it over again, I'd do it again. I'd still bet on Crim and Clay when it comes down to it because they've never failed anybody that's really bet on them, um, especially when they team together. But I mean, yeah, Ultra is a top end team. I still think I still think Ultra is a top end team. I think they're going to be top four pretty much the whole year, but I'm also not ready to like completely say putting them at three or four and the power rankings was wrong because I mean, this might sound dumb saying it, but I think if we come back at the end of the year, I think Ultra being around three to four, I think they'll have their highs where they hit maybe one, two. But I think them being in the three three to four range with how many good teams we have is not going to look crazy at the end of the year at all. I, I think I think they're a very good team and we should be really optimistic. But I also think, I mean, this weekend they didn't play Optic. They didn't play Phase, They didn't play NYSL. They didn't play like a lot of the teams that we're also expecting to be up in the top. And they did beat, obviously, a good LA Thieves team that they really should have lost to in that series. And they beat a Surge team that, yeah, they were really hot, but we don't know that Surge is actually going to be a top team. So I am very high on Ultra, but I'm not ready to crown them or say they're going to be the top team this year. Because I still think putting them around like the three spot is a pretty solid spot for them. Because I think they'll be a team that fluctuates from maybe a high of one down to maybe a low of four or five at some point. So I think that the top four range is good for them. All right, you ready to get into our kind of big picture takeaways from each team? I think I think we're going to go pretty much from like the teams that were eliminated first, kind of looking at what their outlook is going into the rest of the year, how their weekend went, all the way up to uh, Ultra at the top, who obviously won the event. So you good to get into that? Yeah, let's dive into it. All right, so we'll just go kind of down the row with our teams that were eliminated in the first round, with that first match being Florida versus LAG. LAG, obviously the team that was eliminated in that first round, kind of unexpected, I would say. I would say it's not like a a complete shock that they lost because it's not like they were some heavy favorite, but I feel like they were probably the team that a majority of people picked because a lot of people are very high on this team thinking that they could be a top team this year if all all the things go in the right places. But a lot of people were a little bit low on Mutineers because we had heard that, you know, I don't know if the roles make sense in this team, but Mutineers came out and they showed out. Uh, I've got some of the numbers out here. Big Wake dropped to 1.43 in this series. It was going kind of crazy. Uh, it's not like Gorillas got slayed uh, super heavy. They were all around a 0.9, which isn't the worst. But, I mean, Florida, they had three players above a 1KD, and they looked really good. But 
this little segment here is about LAG. So kind of talk about them. There was a lot of controversy after the match. They were talking about how many issues there were uh, with the match, how they're basically playing a different game than they practice, which we've heard that from slasher teams before, but uh, it does seem like you said earlier, this game's like an alpha or a beta right now. And a lot of this was just bug testing. And even clay tweeted something about that. Like this game is, or this event was just like a bug testing event to make sure everything's all smoothed out before the actual season starts. So I don't have like, too much to take away from this for lag although i will say i'm a little bit more cautious about them than i was coming into the year i mean i definitely had my concerns with how i think this team could blow up and you know have some issues internally but i'm a little bit more concerned to see them get beat down a little bit by florida uh but i still feel relatively confident in them i think i might drop them down a couple spots in the power rankings from where we had them a few weeks ago before we saw any matches but like i'm not Fully ready to panic on LAG, but I will say I'm a little bit more nervous about them now. Yeah, uh, I definitely a little bit nervous about this team uh, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think I like I jokingly messaged you, oh, like who said slasher teams have to start slow, and then all of a sudden, you know, then they get you know upended three to one in this series. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, they didn't have a good day didn't have a good uh series um i just you know like we were talking about how this team might be good if all the roles make the the roles seem to make perfect sense like you have you know a perfect flex and gunless and uh, a main ar stalwart and slasher and then uh hook and asim who are like a you know on on paper a really good sub duo um but like we we saw this game uh this weekend was just like I don't know. There's, I'm not gonna take too much uh, stock away from LAG, uh, but like I, I, I would be a little bit concerned that they might start too slow if that's like mm-hmm. even possible. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I want to see them turn it around going into Major One. At least show us that like they're making progress, um, because like like we know that the CDL points can start to compound and uh, you know really shut some teams out quickly, uh, especially if they're not progressing deep into weekends and, and into majors and stuff. Um, just because like you know a win gets you points and a loss gets you none. So um, yeah, uh, my big picture takeaway is that you know like I, I'm. I'm not really like I, I'm not gonna give up faith yet, but I, I want to see some improvement going forward. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. It's you. I don't think there's any team you can just hit the panic button or hit the button that says they're an automatic top team this year after this weekend. But I definitely think you have to be a little bit more cautious if you were an LAG stand coming into the year. This team, obviously, like you said, still has the talent to turn around and be a top team, but it's a little bit scary with. I mean, how the excuses started flying. Granted, I do believe that there probably was a lot of issues and stuff, and this game is definitely not polished, but it's a little bit scary how that already started flying. It seems like they were already so frustrated because there are a lot of matches still to play, uh, and they're already pretty frustrated with some results. Next team to be eliminated, my boys, London Royal Ravens. They went down 3-0 to Surge, which doesn't look as bad now because Surge made such a good run, but we see London go down 3-0. Uh, the maps were overall pretty close besides the control. They lost 250 to 203 in the Bocage and then uh, 6-4 on the Berlin Search and Destroy. No shock, my my Dark Horse MVP candidate Afro was uh, the only one on London that really 
played well in the KD department. He had a 1.1. Everybody else was around a 0.9 or a 0.8. Zero kind of struggled in this series. I I mean, it's the same thing as, like I said, with LAG. It's a little bit of cause for concern that they got 3-0'd by Seattle, but then once we saw how good Seattle actually looked against a lot of top teams like FaZe, it's a little bit less concerning. But I, I will say I saw some flashes. My outlook for London after this is maybe I'm a little bit more cautious about them because I really thought that they could have a good year. I still think they can have a good year. And I did say, I think they might start slow, which might be an issue for them. But I think we saw a lot of the signs that we wanted to see. I think we saw flashes from Gizmo where he looked really, really good, uh, which is intriguing because we didn't know too much about him coming into this. And I think it was also very, very encouraging that we saw Afro continue to fry. Um, because we obviously know that if this team's going to be good, Afro has got to be, pretty much a top SMG, maybe an MVP candidate, but we saw flashes from Nasty and Gizmo where they looked like they have some extreme raw talent, which is good to see. And then Zero struggled, but I expect a guy like Zero to pick it up because we know he's always been a pretty steady, solid mainstay player in the CDL. So uh, I still feel pretty good about London. Maybe I'm not as high as I think their high could be, but I I still feel like they have pretty good potential to make a run at that 7-8 spot for champs like I thought in the beginning of the year. Yeah, I... I, uh... I appreciate that. Um, like you said, uh, with only one match, it's hard because we don't really have anything to compare it to. Like, it's not like we're looking back and comparing their results over the span of a couple majors so far. Um, it's it's honestly just one match and three maps. Um, so you, you can look at numbers and, like, you know, hit the panic button because they got outslayed terribly. Uh, and, you know, they weren't really dropping numbers. and. Uh, you know, and also Surge just looked like unbelievable as well, uh, especially in in this first match too. Like they really surprised a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, my big takeaway again would be, uh, sim- like you said, similar to LAG. Like they, with a lot of these teams that um, you know might be closer to the bottom, they just can't let the they just can't let the like you know, the Peloton get away from them, like, you know, like a Tour de France reference. Like, they mm-hmm. can't let the, the the pack of, like, mid-tier teams get too far away. They've got to remain within touching distance, um, you know, in order to fight for a playoff spot and to, to stay in that, like, consideration for top eight. Um, and like you said, like, Afro, only one on the team that was positive, you know, he, he for the whole series, he was only... 64 and 58 so uh, just speaks to how fast the the uh the entire series went by if you only your your top slayer only had 64 kills um he actually led the lobby in total kills for the for the entire match even the, the top surge players only had 62 apiece um so you know not a whole lot to take away uh i'm not hitting the panic button on ravens yet uh i think they can still challenge for a top eight spot but you know they're gonna have to not start off like deadpan slow yeah for sure they they cannot have uh i mean obviously they can't have like they did last last year stage one because they didn't win a match so obviously that can't happen but i will say like like you said, they can't start super slow, but they did have flashes of Afro looking extremely good and Gizmo and Nasty also showed flashes. It's just going to come down to can they make those flashes more consistent and can Zero become more of that like steady player we know he can be and that steady voice and kind of take on almost like a Bance role for this team to compare it to another team uh, if he can become that vocal leader for them and really guide them. But I'm same thing as LAG. 
I'm slightly more worried than I was, but I am still not ready to just after a one series against a team that seemed to be red hot this weekend, ready to say that London is just chalked or something by any means. Um, next team to be eliminated in that first round, Boston, kind of a, a good showing from them, but maybe disappointing for some people because a lot of people were like, they were like the hot dark horse team people were picking to make a run to the semifinals or maybe greater. Uh, when you look at the overall series statistics, they were outslayed pretty heavily. Uh, Krim six fried this series. Uh, he looked really good with the sub in hand as well. Uh, my boy Hydra P fried MVP pick. He was, he was looking really good this weekend. He was hard carrying, maybe not in this match, but later on, but to focus on Boston, I was pretty impressed with them overall because we know like it doesn't really matter how much we've seen. We know a team with Krim and clay as well as Hydra and Neptune. We know that's a good team that if you play them well, that's a good sign for you. And Boston played them extremely well. And they, they very easily could have won this series. They clutched that game four hard point. They clutched in that game two search. TJ was making some plays. That Tuscan search in that game two, TJ was making some plays. Uh, he had like a three piece towards, I think, like round 10. That was huge for them to win. Uh, obviously, it's pretty encouraging that they win a hard point as well as win a search. So they showed a little versatility in the game modes they could win. Uh, Capsidal had some highlight real plays too, which it was kind of a question whether or not Capsidal was a guy because a lot of people were like, this dude had no success in challengers. Why is he picked up? But he showed flashes. I feel like Nero showed some pretty good flashes. Methods was the steady main AR that we always expect him to be. And I think the big takeaway for me was Tej. Tej had some moments where he looked like Tej of World War II, where he was like a guy that could take over a map at times. Like obviously his overall numbers in the series don't suggest that he did that. But like there were points in the search and destroys where we were like, I mean, even that last night where they got smoke six one, he was seven and six. Uh, the only player to even come close to positive on Boston. But like Tej showed some flashes. So to me. Mile looked very positive on Boston. I was I was questioning people's optimism about them because admittedly I didn't see them play too much, didn't watch a ton of their scrims, but I understand where the optimism is coming from now. I, I feel like I see a clear path to how this team could become a top six, top four team if they really hit their peak. I, I feel like I saw a pathway to that with uh, methods being that mainstay AR uh, and capsule trying to be their superstar and then tj being that snd superstar that we know he can be and i feel like i i saw a way that they can get towards the top so I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about boston going forward and i'm excited because that adds another team that last year uh like they're probably taking the spot of one of those bottom teams considering they have like a scrap roster and i feel like compared to some of the bottom teams we've had in the past this is a team that could really make a run uh, become a contending team yeah i i um you know i hand up uh, I bought way too hard into, um, you know, the scrim intel having Boston as like their fourth team or whatever, uh, their third or fourth overall team in power rankings. I was like, oh my gosh, he knows something that I don't. Uh, this team is gonna fry. Uh, so hand up, I I got that wrong. And uh, but I, I I'm still pretty optimistic about boston's outlook for the season uh you know even though this is one match uh they they took new york who we probably have in our top four uh teams you know at least to being uh to a game five and you know played them pretty convincingly throughout um you know they did have a lopsided uh game five six to one um capsidal definitely showed flashes um I don't know if I'm really buying the TJ, like, you know, whatever, like, you know, I, I think he'll come into his own as we go forward. I don't think we saw the best of him yet. Uh, and uh, still looking to see a little bit more out of Nero. Uh, I wasn't totally sold on him. 
uh, after you know, like we said, one match, five maps. Uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping that you know Boston as a team will prove me wrong in that regard as being like maybe they knew some they know something that I don't with uh you know why they picked up Nero and Capsidal. Uh Capsidal definitely showed a little bit more to me this weekend. Uh and you know, I, I thought their listening was pretty good. I I didn't think they were getting too, you know, hyper. It sounded like they they've been working uh you know they, they work well together and obviously we've seen that through uh you know zinni's stream as well like they, they've been streaming scrims and stuff so we we had a little bit of uh stuff to compare that to but you know at the end of the day they ran into a better team and got uh got bounced in the first round so um yeah i mean i'm i'm cautiously optimistic about boston going forward yeah i i really think that this team will come down to can Nero play consistently? Because I saw enough from Capsule that I believe that he can be a really good player. Obviously, that's not a guarantee by any means, but I really like the potential of him going forward. And I do think Nero has the potential, but like you said, I'm, I'm a little less sold on him. And TJ, I really think that, I mean, this is banking on a lot because we've seen TJ be pretty inconsistent really since World War II when he had his insane rookie year. Uh, it, I mean, if TJ can take over and search like we saw flashes of this weekend, this team has the potential to do anything because... Uh, as we know from the past, every single year, there is a team that becomes a dominant search and destroy team, and they're always right towards the top of every tournament because when you can rely on your S&D, you're always in a series because there are so many teams that struggle at S&D. When you can basically be a team that locks that mode down, you're always going to be competing for a top four finish. Uh, kind of the team that did that last year was Ultra. They became dominant in search and destroy, and they almost hit that extra level because they also became a really, really, really good respawn team. So. Uh, I'm definitely not saying Boston is going to be the level of ultra, but I'm I'm thinking that you know if TJ can hit that search and destroy prowess that we've seen in the past, this team could have uh, the potential to be that team that we saw every year. I've used the reference a million times in this podcast, but Elevate from Black Ops Three is a team that comes to mind where they were definitely not one of the top respawn teams. You could even say they were maybe below average at respawn, but they literally guaranteed like every search that if they found a way to steal one respawn and get to a game five, they were probably winning that at like an eighty percent rate because of how good they were at search. I can see a path where Boston could become a team like that, where they could become a very, very good search team, and they just got to be a team that can sneak a respawn off you. So guys like Capsule and TJ are going to have to pop off in those respawns to get those secured. But overall, I think both of us are pretty optimistic about Boston going forward. Uh, we're not fully sold on them, but we, we like their chances to be a pretty good uh, contending team. All right, last team in the to be bounced in the first round. Not a shocker on this one that they were bounced. We were kind of expecting it, but I think, I don't know, you might disagree with me or I don't want to speak for you, but I think I was kind of overall happy with the way Paris performed, I guess, if that makes sense. Uh, they they lost the map one, uh, decently close on Gavutu, then they kind of got blown out in that game two search. They won the control and then kind of got blown out in the final map, but like overall, they weren't like absolutely destroyed or anything like they heavily outslayed thieves on the first map actually the first hard point and still lost it but i feel like overall like this was a decent showing from paris like i still think they probably end up being a bottom team like a bottom two or three team but i think that i mean this is kind of a like backhanded compliment in a way but i, I feel like they're going to be more competitive than they have been in the past when i mean they've been the bottom team pretty much every year but they've been by far the bottom i feel like they're still going to be bottom two or three but they're not going to be like a shoe in win. Like I, I feel like they'll make their series more competitive than in the past. And I think there's chances that we could see them 
uh, maybe win a round or two in some tournaments and make a little bit of noise and pull off some upsets more than they had a chance to last year. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you there. Um, you know, surprisingly Paris didn't fold. I mean, this is a team that has four, you know, quote unquote veteran players that are, they've been around for a while. Uh, I don't know as, as much as I, you know, as much as I've been rooting for his comeback, I think, you know, John might be the weak link on this team. Uh, don't break my heart. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, just looking at, you know, obviously it's reacting to numbers isn't, you know, a hundred percent of the the issue, but like, he's just like consistently not dropping the amount of damage that the rest of his team is obviously like team shotting and stuff is, you know, always a big part of, you know, these arcade mm-hmm. shooters and stuff like, you know, getting in your shots on people to, you know, eliminate people from the map and stuff and respawn. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they need to change the play style because I, I think John, you know, at, you know, on a historical basis can be, uh, you know, a very solid SMG, but, uh, you know, would they move away from him and get another person, you know, if it's just not working? Uh, I don't know. Um, that's a question for another day. That's not my big takeaway. My big takeaway is that, uh, you know, if the if this Paris team can continue and improve, and, you know, progressively improve over the the span of the season, I think that they, you know, they could challenge to not be the worst team in the league. I don't think that they're going to be, you know, sadly anywhere near the discussion for getting the the eight spot. Um, but you know in the history of Paris, I think that, you know, challenging to not be the laughing stock of the league, you know, sadly would be an improvement for them. So, uh, I think that they showed that they, they had, they definitely have the ability to do that. Whether now, whether they have the, uh, you know, whether they have the ability, to, the ability to grow throughout the game, because we know a lot of other teams are going to get a lot better as well. Um, mm-hmm. so, I'm just hoping that, you know, maybe Paris can show us something that we haven't seen from them yet and they can get better uh, as the game cycle continues. Yeah, I I fully agree with that. I I guess my closing question I want to propose to you when as we leave Paris and go on to the next round of teams is I would say, in my opinion, Paris are going to be like compared to the other 12th place teams which i technically think isn't them for both years i feel like one year they've i think they were like 11th in modern warfare and like surge was 12 or something i don't remember Mm -hmm. fully but um i feel like in terms of if you go back and look at the last two 12th place teams i feel like they're going to be closer to the level of the eighth team than the past two 12th place teams i mean i know that might be kind of confusing but i feel like they're going to be more competitive in comparison to the last uh, two bottom teams so that's something that makes the league a little more exciting when that 12th team maybe isn't a free win and one thing i will say i always talk about like a team that's good in search this is another team that i feel like has potential to be very annoying even though they're a bottom team it might be impossible to th- uh, well i don't want to say impossible to 3-0 because like when they play a team like phase or something they're going to get 3-0 it's bound to happen everybody's going to get 3-0 this year uh but I feel like Paris is going to be a very hard out, even if they're a bottom team, because they have a guy like Decimate, who's always been a great search player, uh, and Fellow as well is an absolutely fantastic search player. And if the snipe stays in, I know you talked about John struggling, but John has 
he showed some flashes with the sniper this weekend mm-hmm. uh, in their search and destroy game. And also we know from history, John has always been a top sniper in every game. So I feel like in search and destroy, they do have a chance with decimate and fellow being S and D stars coming from the S and D community temp. I mean, the guy has crazy gun skill. He'll eco child everything. He'll be that random player to pop off for three pieces in search, which we saw flashes of in the respawns this weekend. And then if John can be a good sniper with snipers in the game, I feel like this team does have potential to be a good search and destroy team that will struggle and respawn, but can maybe take one off you and can force a lot of series to go three, one, three, two and sneak out some series. So I don't know. I think they're going to be the most competitive, maybe bottom team we've seen in terms of like being the 12th team. They're not going to be as free of a win as that 12th team usually is, which is exciting for the CDL because if the bottom is better, that means the league's more competitive and it's more fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. My closing argument would be, or my closing point would be also like, we say that, you know, if they're more competitive, that's good. But like, you don't get, you don't get extra CDL points for losing three to two, as opposed to losing (laughs) three Oh. So until that, you know, quote unquote, being competitive is is recognized into CDL points. You know, I I think that there's, it's still going to not bode too well for, teams like paris uh unfortunately so you know maybe they can eke out like uh, a series win here or there but you know until they're consistently taking you know playing like 500 baseball in these like qualifying matches and stuff you know we're not gonna see them uh you know be much more than a bottom two to three team at best in my opinion Mm -hmm. so sad but uh we can move on if you're ready yeah i'm just I'm excited for the CDL overall. If they're if they're the bottom team, I feel like I'm a little bit more intrigued to watch them than like I, every time a surge match would come on in the past couple of years. I was like, God, I just don't want to watch this. Uh, where now, I mean, I'm kind of intrigued to see what Paris looks like at least for this first part of the year until maybe they start losing all their matches. Then I then I get bored of them. But I'm a little right. bit intrigued by their team. Yeah, yeah, very true. All right, next team to lose. I, I don't think we. Uh, either of us or anybody listening out there expected this to be a team that we talk about losing their first match. But Atlanta Phase. To be honest with you, I just really don't even want to spend much time on this team. I think I'd rather save some time and get into more other points because I just, I mean, Selium played really well in the series. They struggled overall. They lost to a red hot surge team. I think more of the storyline of this was Pred's coming out party. Uh, He dropped 103 kills, the most damage in the lobby with 12k at a 1.18. The dude looked unreal. Um, Obviously, FaZe comes out, kind of dominates the bouquet hard point. And then Surge rattles off three straight maps. I, I mean, I, I just don't really have too much to say about FaZe because I think anybody that is panicking about FaZe is an absolute moron if you're panicking about FaZe. I, I mean, I think we saw them lose last year in the kickoff classic. They came out, they they lost the series. So I think it's more credit to Surge for coming out ready to play and being able to get this win than it is a detriment to FaZe. I'm I'm pretty ready to move on to the next team eliminated if if uh you don't have too much to say about them but obviously we'll let you get your words in about phase if you have anything major but to me it's like okay phase lost the first match they did it last year we saw what happened uh, i'm my level of concern for them is zero until i see them actually start to struggle in real matches which i don't think they're going to do my gosh ryan how can you not be hitting <laughs> how can you not be hitting the full blown <laughs> panic button on phase they looked terrible yeah uh I, I think this team is chalked. They need to fire Crowder and replace all four <laughs> players. Um, no, like you said, obviously this team is uh, presumed innocent until proven guilty. Uh, and, you know, I I think, that, like you said, this is more uh, 
like we said, an indictment on Surge being a better team than we gave them credit for. Uh, you know, I, I I saw somewhere on Twitter it's like you know it's it's uh well I'll, I'll save that for when we get to Surge. Um, this is about phase. I I think that they're gonna be just fine. Uh, you know, wait till we start playing matches that are for CDL points, and then we'll see who's winning and who's losing. And then you know if we see a consistent trend where phase are losing, then we can start to have that conversation. Uh, I don't think that day is coming. I think phases, you know, they're as you know, fine as they're ever going to be. Um, did they have the result they wanted to? No. Um, but at the end of the day, this is a single ELIM kickoff tournament that's not worth CDL points. Um, and obviously, you know, FaZe being the consensus number one team, they're going to get flamed for losing. And, uh, and people are going to bring their best against them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't think it's, you know, justified to be hypercritical of phase, so we can go ahead and move on. Yeah, uh, the last thing I want to say on kind of a funny note is I was just looking through the numbers, and I want to know the last time that Simp uh, in back-to-back maps in the control, he had a .59, and in the final hard point, he went negative 10 with a .64, and he was the lowest KD uh, when you include both teams. Uh so anybody that thinks that that's going to continue where Simp drops, uh, he technically had 100 more damage than Mac, so he was the second lowest damage in the entire lobby. But if anybody thinks that the trend of Simp having the least kills, he had one more than accuracy, I guess. But if anybody thinks the trend of Simp getting the least kills, uh, the most deaths, the lowest KD, the least damage is going to continue. Uh, I've got something to sell you. I mean, <laughs> that's just not gonna. that's just not going to continue. Simp is not going to be the lowest statistical player in every category in the lobby. Like I noticed that in that map where I was like, Simp is kind of getting fried right now. And I was like, well, that's never going to happen again. He's going to see that he got fried in one match and he's going to come over. And by the time next week rolls around, we get our league matches going. He's going to be the best player in the game, probably or close to it. Like Simp is not going to continue to struggle like that. I want to know the last time he actually went negative in a series, or I mean, I guess if he did, I want to know the last time he had like less than a point nine eight in a series or something like Simp is not going to continue to have a struggle series like he did. It, it, the guy is unreal. He's arguably the greatest talent we've ever seen. It's it's not going to happen. So, like you like you said, panic level on Faye is is zero. Uh, next team, Florida Mutineers. They get eliminated three one by the eventual champions, Toronto Ultra. Another team that I don't know. I have too much to say because I really want to get into these top teams. I think they deserve more shine for getting towards the top, but. I feel like they lost to a team that's superior to them. I think there's no question that Ultra is the superior team. But I will say the showing from Florida this weekend left me with a little bit of hope for the team. I, I was I was admittedly like almost as low on Florida as like any team, really. And I think you'll see in my power rankings, I'm still have them pretty low in comparison to like how I feel about them as compared to other teams. But to see them win a match uh and not look terrible and, and beat a team that a lot of people were high on in LAG coming in uh, and then losing to Toronto, but playing them relatively competitively. I feel like uh, I'm pretty, pretty okay with the way Florida played. I, I feel like I had them as a bottom team coming into this, this event. And I'm left with the thought that I still think they're more closer to like eight than they are to cracking the top four. But I do feel all right about, that. I don't think the roles are absolutely terrible. Big wake looks pretty good this weekend. Uh, they look like a very good search team, which, like I've said a couple times already, is important to me. And I don't know. I overall feel okay about Florida's chances to compete for that eight spot, but I don't really see them getting uh, much higher than like that seven or eight spot. Yeah, I I think my uh, my takeaway for Florida uh, is kind of a mixed bag. Um, 
like you know i i definitely am excited about the four players they have i think dave really kind of showed up this weekend uh you know at least he proved that he's not like a burger on the map you know um because i you know obviously being the new player to the cbl um and maybe not a lot of people knowing a lot about him uh you know he didn't he he held his own uh you know, had a couple moments here. Wake looked good. I think Skies had some moments too with the with the sub, especially. Some people were wondering if he could take on the uh, that like flex SMG role, uh, you know, well enough. Um, and then you know, Vivid still he leaves a little bit to be desired just from this weekend though. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree that uh, we'll probably see them hanging around the the cutoff point for uh, you know champs CDL points at the end of the at the end of the regular season. Um, yeah, maybe I'm a little bit uh, I don't know a little bit op- optimistic for the future for them. So yeah, yeah, it's it's never never a bad thing when a team comes in uh, towards the bottom of a lot of people's lists and they win a match and look overall pretty good. So. Yeah, pretty optimistic about Florida going forward. Don't know that I see them having a super high ceiling, but I don't also see them being as low as I potentially thought they could be. So I'm I'm overall pretty excited about their chances as compared to where my expectations were coming into the weekend. However, this next team, I think I might just let you have the floor for them because they are your team and they they struggled uh in this match. They they got three owed. They were overall like pretty competitive in the first hard point. Uh Minnesota rocker major maniac had a pretty darn good series, which I think a lot of people would say he's maybe the X factor of this team. Cause I think a lot of people know that uh, guys like attached Dandy, and even priests are going to be pretty consistent uh, with their excellence. But I mean, they, uh, this, this map one, I'm actually looking through the stats. Uh, this was the match that everybody was, uh, the map that everybody was actually talking about this, this bouquet hard point where subliners won 250 to 242. If you look at the numbers and didn't see the scoreline, you would think that, Minnesota won 250 to 150 or something because this is where the untraded kills things come in. Uh, Minnesota like fried them. I believe they outslayed them by like 22 kills uh, or something, but they still lost the map. So, I mean, the encouraging thing, I guess, at least Minnesota is kind of frying a team like New York with a lot of talent, but they still find a way to lose the map, which might be even more concerning. Uh, they get three out in control. They lose search, which is probably going to be their their calling card and their, their top game mode this year. Uh, for this Minnesota team. So I'm a little bit concerned about them, but like we said in our preseason predictions and stuff, we both expected Minnesota to probably start slow and pick things up as the year went on. So I'm not shocked by this result. Makes me a little nervous, but I still I still expect this team to come around, find their way as search and destroy being their game mode, and then figuring everything else out and coming along. But a little bit concerning that they were out slaying New York that heavily and still finding ways to lose the map. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, I, I think I messaged you. I was like, you know, FML, this is like, well, what are we doing here with, you know, outslaying by 20 plus kills and still losing? But, you know, it is a bow cage. Uh, you know, it's just a head bashing fiesta. Mm-hmm. Um, if you win a rotation, you can pretty much die all, you know, a bunch of times and still win or find a way to hold the hill uh, with how, with how, you know, mixy that map is, especially. Um, and you know, like we said, it's it's early days. Uh, it does make me a little bit concerned, though. I would have liked to see them at least take a map from New York. I mean, mm-hmm. we can say that New York is playing really well right now, and then use that as an, as an excuse. But like, 
you know, I, I want to see Rocker pick it up. Um, because just with the amount of teams that are ahead of them, I think that, you know, they could they could kind of fall into that, like, we don't want to fall too far behind the pack, you know, whatever the pace setter at the midfield is for, you know, CDL points and stuff. Like, you know, let's, let's not lose sight of them, you know. Let's not fall too far back to, like, the 7-8. But, you know, let's keep it within touching distance of, like, the four, five, six teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That, those, that's just my thoughts. I mean, obviously disappoint, disappointed to not, you know, have them win a single map. And, uh, but I, I don't think they made an ass of themselves either. Uh, you know, they say what you want about the first map. It was really entertaining when you have a, a hard point come down to the wire like that. And mm-hmm. then, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sounding alarm bells, but you know, at the same time, I'm not too thrilled either. So yeah, take it or leave it. Yeah, uh, I agree. It's, it's kind of, I hate to say it, but almost what we expected out of Minnesota to start the year, we expected them to start slow and then eventually pick it up. So I agree. Not too concerned with Minnesota. Our next team, however, though, they're always going to be the team that has the most extreme reactions. They're always going to be when they win, it's going to be they're the best team in the world. And when they lose, they're somehow the worst team in the world because their fan base is the most vocal. And that is Optic Texas. I honestly, as hard as it is, because they are the team that everybody wants to hear you talk about. I really don't want to spend that much time on them. I want to move on and talk about our other uh, teams that were finishing. I mean, the teams that finished in the next round in the top four, because I think it's the same boat as phase, but to a lesser degree, obviously we have more faith in phase that they're going to uh, turn things around and be an amazing team because frankly, phase has shown better results than uh, this optic team in the past year uh, or even two years. If you want to go back to modern warfare, even though the teams are pretty different, but I think there is no reason to panic for Optic. Uh, 100 Thieves, LA Thieves, whatever it is, since they came into Call of Duty and Black Ops 4, have just quite frankly had Optic's number. They seem to always beat them, uh, but the matches are always close. This match was overall relatively tight as well. First hard point was close. The search was close. Optic takes the control, and then it's a 12-point game in the final hard point. Uh, I think Dashy played uh, a fantastic series for Optic, which is what we'd expect to see. And Shotzi was at a 0.99. Scump had a 0.83. Ily had a 0.95. I feel like those numbers are going to go up a little bit. I don't think Shotzi's going to be going negative in many series this year. I don't think Scump's going to drop a lot of 0.8s. I think those numbers are going to get better. Scump had the least damage in the lobby. I just, regardless of what you think of Scump and if he's as good or not as he was previously in his career, he's not going to be the lowest damage in the lobby very often. He's not going to have the worst KD in the lobby. Although Envoy uh, had a 0.7 on the other side, which was the worst. Um, but Scump's not going to play that bad. I think Shotzi's going to improve and get more towards that MVP level. Uh, I don't know that Dashy's going to play this well every series, but I think he'll be somewhere around uh, as well as he played. Uh, I don't think it's time to panic at all for Optic. I think they lost to a team in LA Thieves that is also a very good team that is kind of on that same level as Optic. So to me, same thing as FaZe, but maybe to a little lesser degree, maybe a little bit more worry for Optic because they aren't FaZe, and we know that they have struggled in the past, but... I still think Optic is ready and locked and loaded to be a top four team. So I think they just happened to play a team that is also very good and they got the best of them on this day. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I just hope that they don't lose composure after, you know, kind of flaming out of the uh, out of the kickoff classic. Um, I think Dashy really showed some positive upsides with just pure raw slaying talent. Uh, mm-hmm. He was positive 18 kills on on the series uh 
And, you know, I, I think a lot of the, the question marks came around like, oh, is Dashy going to be a good a- AR? Is he going to like, you know, you know, bumble around and just like mess it up like he did in the last few years and stuff. Um, but, you know, definitely with a game that's as, uh, you know, quote unquote mixy, however you want to define that, um, you know, Dashy can kind of get involved and do some like off brand stuff for a main AR and get away with it. Um and he kind of he kind of showed that you know he had some uh yeah he had some multi kills uh from what i remember in the match you know definitely getting like up close and personal with the with the enemy team not playing like the the super passive uh you know ar role necessarily um i i just think like like we said la thieves really had had their number this weekend uh they had a lot of teams numbers this weekend um for that matter and uh you know really showed up and played uh played really well uh and you know they just won the important gunfights when they mattered uh mm-hmm. and yeah so not sounding the alarm on optic texas i think that they're still locked and loaded like you said to be a top team uh i'm excited to see what they bring going into major one because we know that optic likes to start start out hot and uh I think even more so now that they lost the kickoff classic or that they, that they didn't prove that they didn't play up to their expectations. They're going to want to come out with like fire in their belly and play really well in major one. And, and we know the the historic uh, arc with optic is to start hot and then kind of like have a reverse, like, you know, uh, like a reverse bell curve and kind of just like, you know, fall away in the mid and then kind of come back at the end. But, uh, so yeah, look for Optic Texas to uh come out hot in major one. Uh maybe you heard it here first. Uh I'm not gonna put my stamp on it, but you know, wouldn't sh- wouldn't shock me whatsoever. Yeah, I I agree. I don't think it's at all time to sound the alarms, which is how I'm gonna be for most teams, because this is just such a early event and so many teams are still learning the game. Uh this next team uh is New York Subliners. They were eliminated by Surge. They overall kind of did get fried in the series, which is a little bit concerning. Hydra was the only one that looked like he was really shooting back at most times in the series. Mac was an absolute animal in this series, and really, Mac was a pretty much an animal this whole weekend. He looked very, very good. Um, but New York loses to Surge 3-1, falls out in the uh, the top four. I mean, I just, I don't know. It's the same thing as we said for the last couple teams with New York. They lose to Surge, which is maybe not who you'd expect them to lose to, but man, Surge was on a mission this weekend. Neptune really, really struggled in this one. Clay struggled as well. Hydra, like I said, was like the one highlight of their team. He actually still played pretty well, but I just, it's it's the same thing for New York. It's Clay and Krim. Uh, Hydra looks really good. The only thing that we really have a question with, uh, with them is can Neptune step up because he really struggled, but like, do we really expect Neptune to continue to struggle that bad? Maybe he won't be a top, top sub this year, but I think Hydra is only going to keep getting better, and he looked pretty good. I don't expect Krim and Clay to struggle as badly as they did in this series, and I think Neptune's going to pick it up. So I, I'm still pretty confident that New York is going to be in that top six or better range that we expected them to be. It's it's just not going to happen where a Clay, a Clay and Krim team are towards the bottom. Uh, Hydra looked like he could be an MVP this weekend, though, at times with the flashes he showed. So as long as the rest of the team can rally around him and be somewhat consistent, still think that this New York team is ready to go and be a top team and contend for some top fours and maybe some championships this year. Yeah. I, uh, like we said, you know, New York probably they're, they're a top 
four team and they finished T4. So uh, I don't think that this is too far off from where you'd expect them to finish. Um, you know, especially in, in just a kickoff classic. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, more more so, like you said, it's, it's Seattle. Seattle really came to play. They came to prove people wrong. Um, and yeah, they, they did. New York did get flamed the series, but, uh, you know, not like we said with other teams. If we're giving other teams a pass and we're not sounding the alarms, you know, we can't sound the alarm on New York here. Uh, for just having a, a dud of a match. Um, it just shows how competitive the league is. I don't think New York went into this, you know, I, I don't think it's a good mindset to go into any competitive match thinking like, oh, this doesn't matter, so we're just going to kind of meme and like, you know, just mess around or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to what New York brings going forward. Uh, like you said, you know, Neptune, eh. Didn't really have a great match, but you know, I, I think that the team believes in him. Um, you know, if this team is going to be really good, he's going to have to, you know, pull his own weight uh, with Hydra, and then you know, obviously Krim and Clay you can't bet against them. Um, I think this team is fine. I'm not, I'm not worried that they had a bad match against Surge, and I think they're set up really well to to be really consistent throughout the season. Yeah. I fully agree with that. Um, there's there's just never a time where I'm ever going to hit the panic button on a Krim and Clay team until we really see them struggle or they have some chemistry issues potentially. But uh, I have really nothing else to say about New York. I don't think there's anybody that's panicking about that team until we actually see them like legitimately crumble before our eyes. We'll, we'll never believe that those two are out of it. All right. Other team that was eliminated top four. We've kind of already talked about them a decent amount. So uh, it's the LA Thieves, but... They outslayed Toronto in the series. And one thing I will say, I was left with nothing but positive thoughts about LA Thieves coming out of this weekend because we saw them obviously beat Paris. I believe they lost the control to Paris. And then against Optic, they lost the control and they won the hard points. And then here against Toronto, they dominated them on the Bocage hard points, which is basically like the ego chow map where you just go gun, gun skill versus gun skill. Then they lose the search and destroy. They win the control, and then they absolutely trolled and should have won that Tuscan hardpoint. So honestly, they should have went undefeated in hardpoint on the weekend, six and zero. Their main struggle seemed to be search and destroy when they played a top search team like Toronto. So honestly, that's my only concern about LA Thieves. I feel like they are going to fry in respawn this year. I think they're going to be uh, probably locked with phase for sure and then either like optic or toronto more than likely optic because they're always a top respawn team i feel like they're going to be battling with toronto for that like third best uh or being a top three respawn team i think thieves has potential to be the best if not the second best respawn team in the game based on what i saw just need them to bring it in search and destroy i I feel like my thoughts with thieves leaving this tournament is if they can bring it in search they have potential to be a top team that can win some events Uh, i'm very very optimistic about thieves coming out of this weekend yeah, LA Thieves uh came in to, you know, prove some early naysayers wrong. Uh you know, I, I kept messaging you about Draza, uh <laughs> aka He got himself into his own controversy. One of my like ten CDL sons that I'll reference <laughs> to you or whatever. I was like, you know, God, this guy looks good. Um but you know, the whole team really looked good. Um you know, maybe you could say like Envoy needs to like have a little bit more consistency. Uh, but obviously in this series, he led 
the entire lobby and slaying with 103 kills, but he did have 104 deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's an encouraging I, sign, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. He's really and, getting in the mix and being that entry guy. Right. And, uh, you know, obviously we know Envoy is a very, like, cerebral player. Um, you know, maybe to his detriment, he'll overthink some things. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this team is... You know they have so much upside. Uh, I just want to see them continue this consistency uh, that we saw this uh, this week. Obviously, they played three matches, uh, so they they got a lot of land reps in. Uh, you know, I I, I think on the uh, oh where I think it was on uh, the wrap up flank. Uh, you know, Zuma was saying like, oh, you know, is it? Are we concerned that? Uh, you know, Octane is just like a LAN only player. Like, obviously, he's made all this, like, uh, all these storylines about, you know, oh, online, this and that. And, like, we can't play online. We have to play on LAN. So, hopefully, they can translate this, these performances into online results in these qualifying matches coming up. Um, because obviously, they're worth CDL points. And we, you know, you have to win those to get good seeding in the majors. And we, we know the story. Um, so, yeah, I just hopefully this team translates well to online. Um, uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a storyline or something to look out for, but uh, it did make me think a little bit. So yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that. I'm I'm that's really my only concern is if they can translate to online, especially if they are playing out of LA and the compound, the Cash App compound for 100 thieves. There could be a little concerning that they may not be able to translate this, but. I mean, I'm left with no concerns in terms of this team on land. I think they can compete with anybody and win a match at any time. Draza got himself involved in a little controversy with the the smoke grenade and maybe using it a little bit of a, a cheesy way, but we'll talk about that maybe when we talk about uh, some of the, the Vanguard stuff and how the game looked later. But we're on to our final two teams. We can just kind of talk about them uh, in the same grouping because, to be honest, they finished top two, so... I don't know how much we have to say about them. I mean, Surge finishes second. To me, I don't know how you can have any other takeaway than you're more optimistic about Surge coming out of this weekend because we had no idea. We we know Surge have always struggled in the past. We know they have a ton of question marks because this was Sib and Pred's first time in the Pro League. Uh, and we know Accuracy and Mac are, are good players, but we don't know if they are top players. So we had a lot of question marks about them. I mean, I'm obviously more optimistic about them coming out of this weekend than I was going into it because they looked great i will say after seeing them play this weekend pred is easily my favorite for rookie of the year i think i picked nasty in our like way too early predictions and stuff but uh it seems like seattle is poised to be arguably the the team that's best that has a rookie so it's looking like pred is a very good chance although sib was also very very good this weekend so maybe he could fight his own teammate for that but i feel like pred as a sub is going to make a lot more impactful plays and that dude looks like he's the real deal i can see why a lot of people were calling him the top challengers player uh, and the top prospect coming out and you can see why people have been saying sib should have been in the league for the last few years because the dude looks disgusting i mean i don't know how you can say anything other than you're very very hyped about surge and then on the side of toronto same thing i mean i still say they really should have lost the thieves in the 3-1 that uh in that semifinal, but they didn't and they pulled it out, and they looked very good again. I mean, Cami looks like an MVP again. Insight looks like he didn't lose a step. Kleenex still has his up and downs, but still has those maps where it's like, man, this guy's top SMG, one of the top guys in the game. And then Bance, he dropped the .99 in this final. He was Mr. Consistent. He's leading the team around the map. He looks very good again. I mean, Toronto, uh, I think you have to be very, very optimistic about Surge, but still be a little cautious because 
just because we see a team make one run doesn't mean they're locked and loaded to be like top four, like some people are saying. But I think we need to be more optimistic about Surge going into the year. And I think, I mean, Toronto just proved us right that they're just bound to be a top four team again this year. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it was the coming out party for Surge. Uh, Hopefully proving the naysayers wrong. uh, Hopefully they can keep the consistency. Yeah, in in regards to all four players, really, like a lot of people were not too bullish on accuracy, uh, not too bullish on Mac, and there was a lot of questions about Sib and Pred coming in. Obviously, an APAC challengers player, you know, not really playing up against the... Uh, level of competition you might argue that the NA and EU challengers scene brings. So like there was some questions about that. And then, you know, Sib has been considered one of the, the best AM players for a couple of years now, but just mm-hmm. hadn't had a chance because he was on that uh he was in that phase sub role. So obviously, you know, the phase guys weren't going anywhere. So um a lot of things to prove with uh Surge and I, I think they did a really good job at making that happen this week uh i'm very optimistic about them going forward uh but at the same time i've been hurt by surge before with my boy octane um so i i i want to see them you know make a make a push to be a top a top 16 you know a top eight top six team uh you know they could eat they could just as easily fall away i think but i i think this team is really poised to have a really good year i i I just want them to capitalize on that um obviously might push one of my other favorite teams out who knows (laughs) um but yeah i uh i don't know i'm i'm really happy about surge uh when it comes to ultra uh i'm a little uh i'm very you know optimistic about them too um Obviously, we saw them, you know, it didn't seem like they lost a step uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, just dominance and winning and everything that's we've come to expect from Ultra in the last few years. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, the the tissue is an issue, as has been said before. Kleenex has been, you know, he's all over the map. I think a lot of people were commenting, like, it just seemed like whenever... Uh, you know, whenever somebody on Surge got a kill, Kleenex was there to trade them out and then maybe pop one more in the feed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just, I mean, it seems like, you know, he's really got the handle of this game early. Um, you know, Cammy looks good as well. Uh, inso- insights I, prove... I, Sorry, I what was going to say um, about Kleenex is he's like the one guy to me, and I, I wanted to get this out there, is like he can rival a BZ speed. I don't know if anybody else... Uh, can really rival that pace that a BZ plays at where it's like that blistering pace where it's like you spawn up and oh, a BZ's in your face. It's like, God, this guy's got to be so annoying to play against. I think Kleenex is the one guy that can actually rival that speed. And like you said about Cami, I mean, it seemed like, oh no, Ultra's losing this lead a little bit here. What's going to happen? Cami pops three piece. Like it was just like last year. They they picked off right where they left off. Like you said, Kleenex is playing at a pace that maybe only a BZ can play at along with him. And Cami, when they need a two or a three piece, and need some kills that don't get traded out. Oh, here comes Cammy two in the feed. Oh, here's three in the feed. And you never know. Oh, he spawn killed two more. Like those two picked up right where they left off. They're scary. Yeah. Um, and like like I said, this this team hasn't lost a step. Uh I, I just think this team is poised, uh Ultra are poised to have a really 
good year and play and play spoiler to a lot of these other teams that were looking to have you know a championship uh caliber season because obviously there's only four majors and then champs and it seems like ultra is probably slotted in to you know make a really good push at all four of these majors uh i just don't see a world where they're gonna fall off super hard um and you know good for them i think it's great for uh you know, great for them, obviously. Great for uh, EU to have a team that's, uh, you know, this good. Um, yeah, they're 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 going to be dangerous all year. Oh yeah, they're one hundred percent always. I, I unless something crazy happens, every time we go into a major this year, there's going to be no way you can write off Toronto as a team that could potentially come out on top of that major or come out as a top three team from the major. There's no way you're ever going to be able to write them out. They're always going to be in contention, uh, and even if they come into a tournament maybe as like your fourth team or something, you're always going to know that like it's not impossible that Toronto can come out and win this thing. Uh, that's pretty much all of our reactions for big takeaways for each team. I think that was pretty fun and good to get into because I mean, there's just so much to unpack with the first time we see every team. There's so much to talk about. Uh, we went pretty long with that segment, but that's, that's how it's going to be for the first time. It's probably going to be shortened up in the, in the future following other majors, but this is the first time we got to see every team, so we had a lot of thoughts to get out on them. Uh, next thing we wanted to do was our power rankings, kind of just list them uh, down from 12 to 1. Uh, usually we're going to do more with our power rankings and talk about them a little more, but we both agreed that like power rankings right now, like I felt like I kind of knew who my top six were, but then from 7 to like 11, I literally felt like you could almost order it any way you wanted, and I wouldn't argue with you. So we're just going to kind of list our power rankings. Maybe if there's something glaring that we disagree on, we'll discuss it, but just going to list our power rankings and we'll get more into them in the future. So uh, if you want to list yours from bottom to top, then I can go ahead and list mine after. Yeah. So um, at 12, I have Paris. Like we said, I think that they're going to, you know, be a little bit better uh, than maybe 12 would say. Um, But nonetheless, the team has to be in 12. Uh, 11, I have London Royal Ravens. Uh, 10, I have LAG. They fell quite a bit from my original power ranking um i just think this is where where they're at right now uh nine i have boston breach um a little bullish on them uh going into the week but i i don't think that they really you know are much more deserving of any spot higher uh eight i have rocker um fell off a little bit from where i had them initially um but i i think their upside is still there uh, seven, I have Florida, uh, right along there with Rocker. Um, biggest jump I have is uh, six being Surge. Uh, I think that they really showed a lot of uh, you know promise, but there's just so many teams that are you know more that so many teams that are better than them, uh, and that that really is, uh, says a lot about where the league is right now. Five, I has have Los Angeles Thieves, uh, really good showing this weekend. Um, made me get a little bit more confidence in this team. Uh, you know, I, I hope that they can transition and, uh, the promise they showed this weekend into results, uh, going forward on, uh, online and on LAN. Uh, four, I have NYSL. Uh, I don't think, I think I had NYSL at four to begin with. Uh, so they remain unmoved. Uh, solid performance this weekend. Three, I have Optic. Uh, I think I had Optic at two, so they fell one spot. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, 
like we said, no reason to sound the alarm on Optic. I think that they're still really well poised. Uh, now this is where it might get a little controversial. Two, I have fa- uh, number two. I have phase. Um, oh my god. Maybe I'm a little bit more too. Maybe I'm too bullish on Ultra, but you know, number one right now has got to be Toronto Ultra. They they won the kickoff. Uh, they didn't put a foot wrong. Um, besides maybe, uh, you know, they 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 did get they did uh they got away with that they got away with one uh maybe once or twice there, but uh, I I I don't know. Uh, but when it comes to phase ultra right now, I think it's really like a one A one B deal. Um, uh, yeah. But I don't know. Uh, you know, not to say that it can't revert back to phase one. Uh, but you know, I'll stick to my guns. I'll be a little bit controversial because I I know you're gonna keep phase at one. So uh, I'll toss it over to you. I yeah, I definitely did keep phase at one. I just still think if if. I put a piece of paper in front of you that had the bracket on it and it was phase versus ultra in the finals. I still, even though you just put Toronto one, I still think you'd take phase, uh, in a matchup in a finals. Yeah. Toronto. Th- that's a really good point. Um, <laughs> so, you know, be that as it may, I'd probably still pick phase any way you cut it. Um, I don't know, but maybe I'm seeing this more of like, you know, when they do like a football power index or something, mm-hmm. maybe I just think that ultra is a little bit more powerful right now. But phase definitely like they might be like th- that stalwart team. So yeah. Uh, so maybe I'm contradicting myself. I don't know. But <laughs> y- you can you can let me know how uh, you know how how bad I am with uh, you know my one versus two pick. I don't think that's the most. No, I also it's, it's not like I'm dropping phase to like four or five or anything. No. It's like come on, people. Like I I also will say with the power rankings, just because you have it in order doesn't mean that like you think one is unbeatable, two cannot be beat by anybody else, but one. Like that's one exactly. thing I was gonna say. Mentioning my power rankings, like there are teams I have at like ten and eleven who I very easily think could beat nine, eight, seven, six. I think they could beat all those teams uh, on the right day and in the right series. But they're just the teams that you'd favor in that series. I mean. We're at the point of the year where this is our first power rankings, and some of the teams we saw play three maps. Like, it's so hard to rank them. But uh, that's why, like I mentioned to you before, I felt like I knew who I wanted in my top six in a relative order. I think they should go in, but I literally think you can swap seven through 10 in any order you want, and it'd be fine. So, what I did, we agreed on 12 and 11. I had Paris at 12, London at 11. Obviously, I started with them at like seven or eight because I wanted to be bold, but that was. Uh, where we thought they're going to finish for the regular season. This isn't necessarily a list of where I think teams are going to finish for the regular season. I also wanted to make that disclaimer and probably a disclaimer for your list as well. This is not where we think teams are going to finish. This is where we're ranking them right now. Uh, if maybe we were like going into a tournament or something. So I have Paris still at 12. I dropped London to 11 in the power rankings because I do think right now you can't rely on them, but I do think they are going to find a way to climb the, their way up in the power rankings. I actually have Florida at 10. I, I know that they did win a match, but I'm, I'm still a little bit, cautious about this team because i did see a lot of red flags for them in the fact that they did kind of get fried uh, against ultra and I, I have some optimism about them but i think they're a more consistent team than london but i still think that their 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 ceiling is relatively low at 10 i put lag at nine i'm very disappointed to have them down at nine because I, I think they're a team that has at their absolute peak with the players in their team, I think they are a team that has potential to finish towards the top three in a tournament, maybe even get a tournament win. I think that they have that much potential, but right now uh, they're just not looking like they can fulfill it. 
Uh, so I have them at nine. I have your boys in Minnesota at eight. I still feel like, uh, I feel like some people might have them as low as like 10 right now in that Florida spot because of how poor their performance was this weekend. But like you said, uh, they're going to be a team that's almost impossible to count out and search and destroy. And that's going to keep them in series as long as they can figure out their respawn and not start too slow. I, I think they're still a pretty solid team. I got Boston at seven. Uh, this is maybe a little high for some people, but I was really encouraged by what I saw in power rankings is kind of a uh, projection of where you think your confidence is in teams going into the future. So I got them at seven. I have surge at six. I believe we agreed on this one. Uh, I really wanted to move them up because I think a lot of people had them at 10 or lower on their power rankings uh, before we heard about all the news coming in from like the scrim and stuff. But I have them at, uh, at six now. I, I really want to move them up, but I think it's quite an overreaction to put them ahead of your optic, your, your phase, your thieves, even, uh, so I got them at six. I have New York at five. Uh, I think I had them at three or four to start the year. So it's it's not too much of a difference. I, I still think they're a solid team. I actually moved LATs all the way up to four, which is probably my biggest jump. Uh, they really impressed me this weekend. I am really, really, really in on Thieves. Uh, three, I have Optic. Uh, I dropped them down a spot, but I, it's pretty hard to not put Toronto and FaZe above them after this weekend because, I mean, them and FaZe both lost in the same round, but I mean, you're, you're not going to put Optic ahead of FaZe. Uh, after they both lost their first match. And then Toronto, I don't see how they can't at least jump into that two spot because they did win the event. And then I still have phase at one because, like I said, when I was thinking about it, I was like, do I put Toronto at one since they won? And then I actually thought about it, and I'm like, you know what? If it was if it was a grand final tomorrow, phase was playing ultra, I'm still taking phase until I see them uh, not be the kings of the league. So that was my list. We were overall pretty similar. We kind of had maybe a swap and a spot or two, but uh, it's it's very hard to put a power rankings together and feel 100% confident in it right now. Yeah, definitely. I'm not going to fight you uh on obviously the 2v1 we kind of discussed that, but uh kind of surprised you dropped uh subliners uh that to 5. Uh that was a little bit surprising for me. I I know you were pretty bullish in our initial power rankings on having them at 3. Um yeah. That was I mean, out of all of them that was probably my biggest shocker. Um yeah. I guess, yeah, my, I mean, my biggest reasoning behind it is I, I feel like this weekend I saw a higher ceiling from phase or not from phase, obviously from phase, but from LA Thieves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, as of right now, at least, I still think that the consistency from New York might be more steady, but I feel like I saw a higher ceiling from Thieves. And I still just believe in general that uh, Optic has the higher ceiling. I mean, I, I know I had subliners at four. Or at three in my initial, I had phase and then optic, then uh, subliners and then Toronto. So, I mean, LA Thieves was also below them. I felt like LA Thieves showed me more potential this weekend. So I moved them up. I kept optic ahead of them. And then I felt like I had to jump Toronto ahead of them. Uh, so I felt like the only way I could have had them is at four at the highest. So I felt, I feel like LA Thieves showed me a little more potential. So I wanted to give them a nod and show that I have maybe a little bit more confidence, at least in the short term for them. All right, you ready to move on into some of our our Vanguard uh, looks and impressions from this first set of matches? Yeah. This is uh, really like our last topic we have to get into. I know this this episode's running pretty long already. We're around an hour and a half, so this will really be the last thing we get into. But it's obviously something we really wanted to talk about because this was our first kind of bulk um, sample size of watching Vanguard play competitively. And... The first thing we want to talk about is maybe the big controversy from the weekend. I don't really want to get too much into the Draza uh, and Simp argument. It was pretty funny. They started getting into Selium snaking and Kenny was defending his teammate and stuff. But um, I 
I will say I was a lot more excited to watch search and destroy those snipers in. And I think it was proven this weekend that they're not OP. I mean, there were a lot of hit markers. It seemed like everybody was getting hit markers besides Cammy. He was just one shot in everyone. Um, but it seemed like there was enough hit markers to go around. People were missing some shots. They were whiffing. The snipers were sometimes costing because they'd miss a shot, get pushed and die. Like there were plenty of counters to the snipers and people weren't even using their smokes properly, which is uh, one thing I have saved here on the side when Octane says it. Uh, he said, just my opinion, maybe I'm hammered, but smokes and snipers do not correlate at all. The amount of times smokes were used to, uh, in air quotes, counter a sniper and how often they're used otherwise aren't even close, which I fully agreed with. I like saw nobody smoking across or smoking out a sniper uh to like get out of his point of view or, or his line of sight and like get away from him and like finesse their way around the map they didn't use smokes at all that way and snipers still weren't just like taking over maps so uh, i thought it was super fun to watch snipers and it brings that new element uh, i believe it was on like the optic pre-show they were talking about like who's the sniper for every team like it just provides this whole different element to teams that makes like it more in depth to analyze a team when you like look at a team and you're like Yo, FaZe has Simp to snipe, Optic has Dashy, uh, Toronto has Cami, and like you go through and then you're like, hmm, Paris, they have John, he's pretty good. And then you look at maybe some other teams, uh, like we didn't know who the heck was going to be Seattle sniper. It's like, does Seattle have a sniper? Well, that could be a weak point of them in search. Like, it's interesting to like know some teams might have a weak point because they don't have an elite sniper, or some teams have an elite sniper and you have more confidence. Like, it just adds that depth to the league that makes it a lot more interesting and I feel like we saw this weekend that snipers belong because they weren't uh, completely terrible and they definitely weren't OP. So uh, I was pretty happy to watch them in the game. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of like, at least from what the stream was showing, it looked like a lot of like somewhat questionable snipes. Like maybe the aim assist was dragging the crosshairs just that extra little bit. Um, like, but Octane was hitting some good snipes on Desert Siege. Like he had a couple, like he had, he had like a two piece and I was like, I was screaming at my, I was screaming at my uh, at my computer. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. Like, I can't believe we were deprived of this for a year. <laughs> um, you know, just of like, you know, seeing somebody scoping and it makes you pay that much more attention to S&D. Um, and, you know, if, if te- teams will, it, the good search and destroy teams will learn both how to play with snipers and how to counter them. Um, Mm -hmm. and whether that, you know, whether some teams decide to abandon a sniper on a map and go with like an extra AR and be a little bit more aggro on the map or something. I don't know. I don't know how to play search and destroy like the pros. That's why I watch, (laughs) you know, that's why I watch the CDL and that's why I, you know, it's so exciting to see, uh, sniper play. And, uh, you know, I agree with your point on Octane's, uh, Octane's point on Twitter with like, you know, uh, you know, I didn't see people using smokes to counter the lines of sight and to, you know, get better map positioning and stuff. So you can't really say that, you know, both of them should be GA'd. I just think that's silly and would definitely definitely lose a lot of my interest uh, in, in the game mode if they're just like, oh, snipers are gone. So we have to watch another automaton on the map or something like that. Do, that doesn't do it for me. And I, I think giving us the snipers and kickoff was uh, a great move. And I hope that they continue yeah 100 percent uh the other thing i will say is there's nothing like when you load into a a search and destroy round uh, as a spectator and they start on the sniper and he's pre-aimed and you hear the like you see a guy that's like near his scope and he's maybe gonna peek and he's like getting close to peeking and the crowd just goes like the the crowd you can just hear like the oh like kind of come over the crowd and like everybody's getting excited and he hits the shot and they explode it's like 
when else like nobody's doing that for when like a bz runs and gets a first blood or like when somebody's preamp with an ar and they hit a couple shots and they kill somebody like there's nothing that brings that excitement like a pick for a first blood or like a crazy two-piece like you never hear a crowd go that crazy for search and destroy unless it's like a round 11 kill or like a, a kill and like a one v one crucial like four four or something like you don't hear people go that crazy for a random first blood in the second round of the game uh as you do when somebody gets a snipe and like here's a history lesson for you i know you maybe haven't watched too many cod ghost matches or any of you out there if you never watched this clip this is a clip that just brings the uh excitement of snipers go look up a clip i believe it was karma on sovereign search and destroying ghosts i believe he's the one using the sniper he's like uh in like the back spawn top balcony and he's pre-aiming a doorway and there's a guy in that doorway and obviously through the x-ray vision from the casters you can see he's there and karma is pre-aiming this door for like a good 20 seconds and the guy keeps inching closer and closer and the crowd's just like ooing on the whole time and they're like oh and every time he gets close to the door they're like getting more hyped and the guy like keeps like shouldering and he won't fully peek and karma just sits there and preems it eventually he peeks karma hits him and the crowd just goes absolutely insane like there is no other weapon or anything that brings that kind of excitement to a mode that's as slow as search and destroy is sometimes and quite frankly can be boring for a viewer who really isn't super super invested in the search and destroy game so snipers bring that excitement so any of you that haven't seen that clip go look that up karma on sovereign search and destroy uh, and cod ghosts one of the best sniping clips of all time it's just just fun to watch and listen to the crowd um but next thing we want to talk about in vanguard kill streaks and fortified being absolutely busted i don't know that i want to say too much about this one i feel like everybody kind of knows based on this weekend that fortified is broken i mean you drop a glide bomb, which takes seven kills to get right on somebody's head. And if they have fortified, they just live uh, basically unfazed. So that's absolutely insane. Obviously, if you drop a glide bomb on somebody, no matter what perks they have on, they should die if they're out in the open. So that really doesn't make any sense how that's a thing. But kill streaks overall kind of underwhelming this game. That, that strafing run is not great and can honestly be detrimental. It can team kill pretty easily if you put it in the wrong spot. The glide bomb obviously can be an okay streak if fortified isn't a thing. but I mean, if players have fortified on the glide bombs useless, I don't mind it this way, though, as long as they just nerf fortified where you do die to glide bombs. I think the streaks are pretty solid. They they can have an impact if used correctly, but they also uh, aren't super OP. I don't know if we'll ever hit a great balance like we did with score streaks in like Black Ops 4, where they were just perfect, where they had a very big impact when used right, but they still weren't OP. So, uh, that'll never happen in this game since really the only good typical streak is the glide bomb, but... Uh, I would like to see Fortified nerfed a little bit in terms of the glide bomb damage you take. And uh, if that's able to get kills when you hit somebody with it, I feel like streaks are not in a bad spot. Yeah, I uh, I didn't really enjoy watching the uh, um, the strafing run. Uh, I just thought it was like uh, so hit or miss. Um, obviously, glide bomb needs to be fixed with Fortified. Uh, it needs to have a obviously a direct hit kill, but also probably a, a a decent radius kill as well. Um, I think if you get a seven kill streak, you probably deserve to kill at least one player on the map, unless they're all inside or something. Uh, it just looks silly when you have like a guy like uh, like Major Maniac on that uh, Bocage hardpoint. Like he went on a streak, um, and then he—I think he literally dropped the—he uh, dropped the glider bomb like right on somebody's head, uh, and you know, it still didn't kill him. And I was like, yeah, this is just silly. And that's when I messaged you. I was like, this thing needs to go. 
Um, it wasn't like that like a short time ago, though. They like just made that change to Fortified. Right, right. When I was playing GBs, it would kill just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so I, I... I don't know what happened. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm just like... It, obviously it's a it, it seems to, to us it seems like it's a quick fix but obviously the developers like to make everything seem like it's like asking them to reinvent the wheel um we still didn't have silent plant diffuse mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that so anyway insane. that's uh that's totally like a whatever thing but like obviously streaks add that added wrinkle into the game where you know but where you know you can you can break a hill with a streak or do anything like you know elim some players with a streak but this at least like in this opening event it just seemed like you were wasting your presence on the map to call in a streak for like five or six seconds when you could have like killed and died and respawned in that exact same time uh so it almost seemed like teams were playing a player down for the time that the streak was being used which uh, shouldn't be the case no, absolutely not. Especially when you know when you call in that glide bomb, as long as everybody's using uh, the fortified, they're just not going to die. Uh, really, the only thing you can use it for now is to push people inside and take control of a lane while they can't see it, which is obviously part of the way streaks are intended to be used, but they also should be able to get a kill if you drop it directly on someone. All right. Last thing maybe for Vanguard we have to talk about uh, in terms of how the game looked was the maps. Maybe you're kind of a lack thereof. Uh, I'll say, like, overall, like, Bocage is kind of a terrible map, and it's not that good to play, but it's kind of fun to watch because it's basically just an ego child fest of which pros can look the best and dominate with their gun skill, which is pretty interesting, at least for the viewer. It's honestly, overall, in terms of fundamental Call of Duty, pretty terrible to watch, but uh, what were your thoughts on the maps? Yeah, I, I don't I just, like... I don't think it's ever a problem when there's too many maps or like uh, an abundance, but it just seemed like we were watching the same maps every series. And, you know, at least with the last like two iterations of the title, like you could have some variety, like you could, uh, like obviously teams would have their, like their hard vetoes and stuff. But then like, there was still a map or two where, you know, it might be different. Like, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to go into, like, the specifics of the last two titles, but, like, you know, like, you could have your veto, and then you could still have, like, two different maps be played for, uh, you know, your third game mode, or you could have, uh, you know, there was an abundance of search maps to pick from, so, you, you know, like, mm -hmm. you might have one map show up, like, a couple times in a row, and then you might not see it for a couple matches or something, so... um. I'm just worried that we might get burnt out on these ma on this map set, um, and hopefully the developers have plans to introduce some more, at least any any maps at this point. Even if they're, you know, even if the pros have to play them and find out if they're competitively viable or not. But it, it seems like they've already gone through the the map set right now and they've picked out what they want to play, or the developers have picked out, or the CDLs picked out, but. Uh, you know, I just hope that we get a, at least the option to play more maps. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I agree that, you know, Bocage was fun to watch, but, you know, it wasn't... I, I don't want to see it every single series in that regard. Uh, and, like, the same with, like, Gavudu. It's like, I don't want to see that every series. It was kind of, like, 
why do I want to watch like four automatons? Um, you know, potentially four automatons and like Berlin seems to be the most versatile map, but like, do mm-hmm. I want to see that every single series? Maybe, you know, Berlin can take a back seat for a series and, um, Desert Siege seemed to be okay for search. Like, obviously, the sniping lanes are fun, but, like, maybe we add another map with sniping lanes just so we're not staring at the same map for, you know, an entire game cycle. I don't know. That's just my thoughts on it. Yeah, I definitely can see all that. I I will agree 100% that we need some more maps to be added in because, I mean, obviously, in Control, two maps is not enough. That gets still really old, like, really, really fast, especially... Uh, I feel like Tuscan will become the preferred map. So Gavutu will be almost beat at all the time. And we'll just see Tuscan control every series, which we need more maps for that because that'll get boring really fast. But I agree. Berlin is definitely the most versatile. It's my favorite to play. Uh, I think it's the best search and destroy map. And I've actually started, uh, as I started to play more respawn, I am starting to enjoy Berlin hardpoint almost more than any of the maps. I, I do think it's probably the best map in the game right now, which I didn't expect to say because. I really thought that was going to be Tuscan, but Tuscan's uh, bomb sites and search and destroy are so one-sided. You pretty much have to go uh, towards that A site. It's almost impossible since it's just like uh, Garrison. There's like one lane to get to, to B, so it's a lot a lot tougher. But yeah, we definitely need more maps, more versatility, because like you said, it's going to get very old and boring to continue to watch the same map over and over again. But you got anything else to, to go into before we get into down bad sports over the week and kind of wrap this pot up? No, um, I guess just one last like fleeting piece that I had mentioned here is like that only half the teams have announced their mm-hmm. substitute player. So like I'm like, where do we stand on like our subs required or like do they still have time to announce them? Just a just a thought. Like not that I'm like a huge like substitute player stan. <laughs> kind of weird, yeah. but like uh, I don't know. Like it seems like not even like Optic hasn't even announced theirs yet, and. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Just like, where do we stand on that? Just something to keep an eye out on. Yeah, it's it's very odd because I mean, I remember like going back to Modern Warfare when it was five v five. Every team was required to have at least two subs, and some teams didn't really take that seriously. Like you had uh, Huntsman; they signed General as a sub, then they had like Bows uh, and like people that weren't even like in the question to even like play or sub in for a match as subs. And then like last year, I believe you were required to have one. And some teams still just use their coach as a sub. And now this year, like you said, only half of them have subs announced. And we don't even know anymore if it's required because we've got no information. So it is a very odd situation that we'll have to to look at going into the year because they really technically, if you have to have them signed by the start of the season, they only have like a week to do so. So we might see a lot of sub announcements if they're still required to have one coming up this week. But time for down bad sports some of the week. Uh, to be honest, this might sound weird, but mine was the fact that the NFL weekend ended because that was like maybe one of the greatest weekends of NFL football I have ever seen. Uh, the Packer game was kind of boring because it was just a low scoring, just ugly game. But like the the Bengals Titans game brought me so much joy because I mean, the Titans fans were just ridiculously loud and uh, about how good they were. And they got the one seed and just like they always do. They are now 0-3 as a one seed. They've never won a game as a one seed. Every time they get it, they instantly lose their first game because they are a terrible franchise and will never win a ring. And Ooh. I was happy to see Joe Burrow win because I kind of like Joe Burrow. He's kind of swaggy. He's obviously a good quarterback. And uh, he, I mean, 
he just is an exciting player and that offense is electric jamar chase is the real deal uh, i really like t higgins too even tyler boyd's a pretty good receiver joe mixon's a solid running back like that offense is high powered and they're fun to watch uh they didn't really score a lot this week but uh, i'm excited to keep watching them then uh you move on to the packer game that night like i said kind of boring uh go on to the next day and uh that buccaneers rams game was pretty terrible for a lot of the game and out of nowhere tom brady did his tom brady thing and almost worked some witchcraft and won them the game and then your boy matt stafford clutched up uh and they won and then the final game that that bill's uh chiefs game was maybe arguably up there as like the best game of football i've ever seen that game was insane they scored like 25 points in the final minute and 50 seconds uh and my cousin is like the biggest bills fan on earth so i've never seen somebody so hyped and then uh literally 10 minutes later so down bad uh, at the result of a game so he was Uh, hype down bad and then hype again and then down bad again right yeah he was like like, it was the biggest roller coaster you can ever see (laughs) like he's like the biggest bills fan i don't even know if there's a bigger bills fan on earth than him though and he was he was down bad so that was kind of uh interesting to watch during the game but yeah, I was I was just sad that that weekend of football ended because I don't know if we'll ever see a weekend of football that good again. Like that was absurd. And also, obviously, you guys know I'm from Wisconsin and the amount of Packer fans that talked uh, trash about my team after they choked and to make the playoffs. It was just funny to just see them all today. And I didn't have to say a word. I just had to smile. And it was just like, I mean, what are you going to say? I mean, all I heard all year living in Wisconsin was how good the Packers were. And this was the year. And uh, they did the same thing they do every time. They They just were a favorite and they blew it again. So I'm sure as a Lions fan, that also kind of gave you a little satisfaction to watch the Packers lose. But uh, yeah, that was my down bad moment. I was just sad the weekend of football had to end. Yeah, that's a, you know, I also with uh, the amount of bad games that happened last weekend, I think this past weekend, the, the games were just so good that it was just such a stark contrast. Like usually we say like the more games, the better, but then really this weekend was just incredible. Um, my down bad moment uh, is the the infighting within the. There's two camps in the Detroit Lions, <laughs> um, you know, fandom right now. Those are they're the ones that uh, a are Matt Stafford stands, and we're really happy to see him, you know, spread his wings and fly off to the L.A. Rams, who have completely sold the farm to win a ring this year. Uh, I think that they've totally you know, decimated their franchise going forward by, um, you know, selling off draft capital. Uh, they've spent a lot of money on contracts as well. Um, but Hey, if you can win a ring one year and take like four to five years of rebuilding and getting out from, you know, bad money contracts and stuff, I think you take that deal every single day, but there's also the camp, uh, of lions fans who are, uh, that have animosity towards Matt Stafford for um, a whole host of reasons for, uh, you know, not winning a playoff game. There was a year where they all they had to do was win one of the final three games, and they failed uh, to do that. And, that. and that was to win the division. Um, and he spent a decade of his career here uh, where, you know, the Lions, you know, they could have been a, halfway decent team and they just never lived up to it and obviously the the quarterback will usually always take the uh the brunt of the blame on stuff like that um so his move to the rams has caused a lot of infighting within the lions uh fandom like i said and um i think it 
it weakens our fan base as a whole. Uh, it makes us look dumb and childish uh, to have people on our local sports talk radio, you know, taking up entire segments of the program to be, you know, standing for Matt Stafford or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, selling him down the river like he's a, you know, traitorous, like, piece of POS. Um, and, um, you know, it really says a lot about the state of the franchise when a player moves 2,000 miles away and that story is the one that's dominating the local sports talk. Um, <laughs> so it's more of an indictment on Detroit sports as a whole, but more so the Lions uh, and really the state of the fan base. And uh, as much as I hate it, I've taken up arms on the side of, uh, you know, I don't really see Matt Stafford's success in LA being, you know, Oh, it's a direct attribute to his time as a lion. And therefore we should all be, you know, groveling on the floor, begging for forgiveness for wasting Matt Stafford. Like he had Calvin Johnson. He had opportunities to have a good team. And yes, the franchise did fail at the end of the day to put a a winning football team around him. But he he put up Hall of Fame numbers in Detroit. I don't think that him magically moving to L.A. makes him like a national superstar now. Um, You know, obviously, he's only won two playoff games in his career, and those have been the two playoff games that he's played this year. And Mm -hmm. he's even without winning a single playoff game, he's still going to be a Hall of Famer just based on statistics and numbers alone. Uh, So my down bad thing is like, Let's stop the fighting about Matthew Stafford. Yes, he was our franchise quarterback for a decade. Yes, he's moved on. I don't think it needs to tear our fan base apart, and I'm I'm sad to see that. Yeah, I saw you talk about it on Twitter a little bit, and uh, I kind of saw this firsthand because my sister's a big Lions fan, and she is like one of the people that's like kind of cheering for him, but not like some of the people that I've seen like screaming, she's just like, Oh, Stafford's doing well. That's kind of cool to see. Cause she's was always a big Stafford fan. So like, yeah, it is, it is kind of weird how it can tear apart a fan base like that. Cause usually when you see a guy leave, a lot of fan bases are like, screw that guy and they don't like him, but it's kind of an interesting situation uh, with Stafford to watch how much fighting has actually gone on. Cause I've never seen a player that was traded away from a team and kind of everybody accepted that he was traded caused so much controversy that fan base. Yeah, well, I mean, when you have a team that hasn't won, you know, jack shit, <laughs> pardon my French, you know, it it's always going to, you know, maybe if the Lions had won and then he moved, people would be like, oh, you know, screw him, he's gone, you know, we don't need him anymore. But a lot of Lions fans are like, oh, we need him back, you know, this, this whole, like, Stockholm syndrome of, like, Oh my gosh, he was the best thing that ever happened to us. And yes, he was a very he he is a very good football player and he was a very good, you know, member of this community. He did a lot of good charitable stuff uh around the community for Detroit. Um you know, a very outspoken uh wife on social media as well. I know she's had her fair share of run-ins with fans throwing pretzels <laughs> and stuff, but uh yeah, uh I don't know, I'm you know, it's too bad that he's gone, but you know, at the same time, you know, good on him for finding success, but I don't think it needs to be like, you know, the Lions fans don't necessarily need to be like all like, you know, 
oh, I'm going to say something really bad and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say it, but you know, <laughs> blank riding him to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. That, 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 that's just my thoughts. I see both sides of it. I see wanting to cheer for your former player, but I also see like, like get over it. Like we all don't need to like love him. Right. Uh, I see, I see right. both sides of it. All right. All right. That's it. That's up? it for me. I'm all right. done. So I just want to thank you guys all once again, all of you listening right now that tuned into the last podcast and dropped a comment and dropped a like on it or just listen to it in general, because man, the support, like we said, at the beginning of this, uh, of this episode was absolutely crazy. Um, you guys put up some numbers on that podcast that we've never seen before. It was nuts. We're hoping to continue that uh, momentum heading into the CDL year. Uh, please be sure to leave a like comment and subscribe. If you enjoyed, check us out on the audio platforms as well. If you want a different way to listen, uh, like, like I said, that, that support was absolutely absurd. So we really appreciate that comment down below your thoughts on the kickoff classic. Do you think we were a little low on Seattle ranking them only six in our power rankings? Uh, is there another team that you're really excited about that maybe we didn't give the love they deserve? Just uh, comment down below your thoughts on the kickoff classic because there was a lot to unpack. Maybe we missed a point that you wanted to get into, but that's going to do it for this one. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, some more talk about news and the CDL heading into the season, and then we get right into the matches the following podcast after that. So please be sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed, and we will see you in the next one. Thanks for watching, everyone.